to episode 102 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, that expert, Adam McGee. And joining me for this, the return of our United Nations of books podcasting. We have Jordan Tresky as usual. And we also have Hello. Tim, Tim Ray back with us. Jordan, you just got to, just two people, you've got to wait. <laughs> No, well, let Tim go no. first. Tim, hello and welcome back. Hello, Adam. It's nice to be back. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's not under at all, but uh, yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's really good. It's gone downhill since you were last here. I don't know if we could add you to like the right now the whole kids sucking on the mint press conference, the 10 win ticket package. You might be one SI of SI jinx. Yeah, the SI jinx, of course. It's but, all the conspiracies. Yeah, I think you, you fit in right amongst that. Jordan, now, did you, did you want to say hello? Was that it? Hello! It's me. He doesn't it's, it's, doesn't even have the manners to let our more occasional guests get in first, but here we are. Uh, Tim, this is what happens when you get famous. This is You don't wait around for anyone anymore. He's the, the cult hero of Max Twitter now. Yeah, that's not even a joke. I'll start off, I guess, on along those lines. Just a note, we didn't do this midweek because oh, there was only one thing to really talk about in our emergency podcast. But just a quick note to thank everyone for all of the kind messages. We got lots and lots of tweets. And we got, I think we got three or four emails on it too. Just basically congratulating us on our 100th episode Tell us how much you enjoy it. That you listen regularly. All of that stuff is very strange to us, but we appreciate it greatly. Before we get into this week's episode, those of you who listened to that 100, very special winning six, you may remember that there was a competition. Jordan, do you remember this? <laughs> yes, I do. Now, you'll be surprised, Jordan, to find out that We've had zero people get this exactly right. But one person got the bulk of the answer, and they're going to be the lucky winner. We're going to do... I, I, at the start of the 100th episode, I sort of flagged up that at some stage throughout the podcast, I'm going to say something that isn't really me speaking. I'm going to, I'm going to do my own version of something that was a famous... Famous is probably the wrong word. That's only associated with Jordan on this podcast. But a, a winning six bit from the past. And whoever could identify it or tell us what exactly it was, they get their hands on a winning six mug. What I'll do is, 
first of all, let's let's listen back to what the actual bit was. It was one of those things, you know, I really I wasn't sure about this at the start. Then a friend of mine said something that made all kinds of sense though. She said, think of it more as as like a conversation. And I, I like that. That sounded that sounded like something that could work. So what we've I guess what we've found out in the time since is that this podcast is it's wiped out kind of any walls between you and us. And we like that too. It allows us into each other's worlds or I guess in our case our homes. When I think about the things we wanted to talk about, we want to talk about cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. But most of the stuff we've talked about has been raw stuff like this because it's just who we are. So if this is truly a conversation, I say the conversation is only beginning. And now I'm very offended that not more people got this because it means they thought that I might actually say things like that. This is what it was really from. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. I really wasn't sure about this at the start. But then a friend of mine said something that just made all kinds of sense. She said, think of it more as a conversation. I like that. But I'm already finding out on my own. So it's wiping the walls out between you and me. And I really like that. It allows us into each other's worlds, or I guess in my case, the hotel room. When I think about things I want to post, I want to post cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. But most of the stuff I'm going to post is going to be raw stuff like this. Because it's just who I am. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Now, one person was able to pick up on this particular bit not being exactly my own words. And that was friend of the podcast, regular sender of questions for the mailbag, David Dunn 21. So winning six mug on the way to David Dunn 21. Jordan, are you disappointed that no one else remembered? I mean, it was, I think it was your fault, that Garp Brooks bit that spiraled out of control. Yes, it is very, yeah, I own it. Yeah, it's... Not literally, I don't literally own it, but I own bringing up on this podcast. Yeah, I think intellectual copyright belongs to Garp Brooks on that still. Yeah. Um, That's his slick stuff. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe people... Only one person suggested that neat stuff wouldn't be something I'd say. Neat? Why would I say neat? Tim, to be I don't... fair, it was, it was you... really... Like, I almost forgot about it by the end. Like, <laughs> they all sort of meld into one here. I had no idea. You had to really work hard to win that mug. That, see, that is part of the idea behind it. That's, I'm not giving away any mug at the start of the episode. If the episode's going three and a half hours long, it's going to be someone who gets to the end and pays attention that's going to win it. So... That's a no for future competitions. If you're not here for the whole show, can I go home empty-handed? It pays to listen to all three hours. That's what <laughs> that's what the moral of the story is. Yeah, so that's a very good way for us to start because we don't know how long this will be yet. But you know, just <laughs> listen, listen through to the end. You never know what might come up. Might not be relevant now, but you know, a hundred episodes down the line, there could be a competition that you could win out of it. Bang, you got a, I can't think of an item that someone would win. Never mind. Uh, a signed Lady in the Water DVD. 
No. <laughs> yeah. That maybe. was only one of one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of one, and that was a. Uh, yeah, we won't be doing that one again. We'll just put it like that. That was a. That was a difficult process. To bypass all of this now, now we've got competitions out of the way. We've got thank yous out of the way. This is business as usual. And someone else who was business as usual for this week, uh, maybe the only person on the books roster, um, was Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton was back in action. We've done a lot of talking. Maybe the last time Tim was on, we might have debated whether the books should have brought him back, when should they do it, what should they be looking for. All of that is now, it's gone. It's a conversation of another day. We don't have to worry about it. He's back. He's playing. Whether that's good or bad, we'll find out. One, how do we feel to have Middleton back? Two, what have we made of, I guess, his contribution so far, albeit limited? Um, I mean, he's played, what, 37 minutes in two games? That sounds right. It's in that ballpark. Um, so there's not much to go off of, and obviously expectations were lower considering the injury that he's coming back from, uh, just working yourself into game shape. I mean, I had a low bar, basically. Uh, but I would I would say I'm encouraged. I mean, he does, I think I'm not going to say like, oh, he's <laughs> point to his three-point percentage or the fact that he's got like, I don't know, I, I I don't know, like his points per game or any like specific number. It's just more about like how he looks on the court. And I would say he kind of looks like himself. Like there, you, I wouldn't say there is much of a sign of of him just fresh off of coming from a serious injury, like tearing your hamstring like that. You know what I mean? Like I think as you know, he gets back in the groove and all that stuff. Like. Maybe it'll be considerably more noticeable that he looks like himself, but I, I still I haven't seen anything like significant signs of him looking like a guy that just missed the good port or like a you know fifty games of the season and stuff like that. So I've been pleasantly surprised by how he's looked so far, um, and I just think everything else will come with time. He's still getting his legs under his, himself, both literally and figuratively. Um, so yeah. I'm very happy with what I've seen so far. Yeah, obviously it's great to have him back. Um, missed what the first fifty games, and you know you don't you don't know how well you're going to come back after an injury like that. Um, obviously, like Jordan said, he's only played you know thirty thirty five minutes, so it's maybe too quick to tell. Um, you know draw two uh, quick conclusions about, you know, how he's playing and especially in the context of the Bucks season now, how everything changed, especially the day when he came back. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's no reason to say that he's been terrible, you know. Um, I don't think, I think, yeah, it's too quick to sort of jump to conclusions like that. And obviously, like we've seen, you know, we need to be patient, um, you know, have, give a few weeks for him to, you know, get back to himself or even to the end of the season considering, you know, the context of the season now. But, yeah, it's obviously it's great to have him back. And Yeah, I I think the thing that's important to note in all of this, and we were kind of urging caution before he came back, and it's even more important now, is it got much more difficult for him 
in the very first game he came back when Jabari goes down like that because it increases the attention he's going to get straight away. He's not going to be able to kind of just take a take a back seat and feel his way in just as easily because now when he's on the court, I mean, he's a guy who isn't Giannis who can do things and I'm not entirely sure how many of them the books have. So he's going to get attention. It's not going to be quite as easy for him. He will probably feel a bit of extra pressure to kind of get there sooner rather than later because of that. Um, so we just have to hope that that doesn't become an issue. I was concerned when we weren't hearing about what was going to happen with back-to-backs and then very relieved when he didn't travel for the back-to-back. Um, I guess the only question is how long does that last? We're obviously going to have no more back-to-backs for the All-Star break. By the time we're back after the All-Star break then, are they going to be looking at him in a pretty regular kind of minute setting? Is he going to be on back-to-backs? Again, there's no real need to rush that. The one thing in terms of what we've seen from so far, I guess two things. Firstly, it's his movement that looks most natural. Um, and that's, I guess that's the biggest concern you would have had. You, you wouldn't want him to look like he's restricted in his movement when he's supposedly fully rehabbed from this injury. And he's looked very fluid. Um, he looks like he's able to run around screens and try to get open shots. He looks very comfortable carrying the ball down court. We had a couple, I, it might have been in his first game back against the Heat, maybe it was, what was Friday's game? Um, the Lakers. Maybe it was the Lakers game either, but he had a couple of instances where he'd carry it down court and then sort of back into his trademark Middleton post-up position, um, even if he was passing out of it. And I guess that's the other thing i just like to highlight. Obviously, his he hasn't been scoring a lot of points, his shooting, his pretty poor and maybe that way for quite a while it's going to be an adjustment to get a shot back he's at 33 percent from the field on three-point range but what he said i don't know where i saw it it was a recent interview maybe it was with jim paskey just before he came back it may also have been in the mbpa feature that was done with him maybe four weeks ago now um but he was asked i know where it was actually it was on the broadcast and um, when he announced when he was going to be coming back, he was asked before the injury, what was your main focus for the summer? Or what did you really be working on? And he talked about continuing to build on his playmaking, his passing, being able to work more in the pick and roll. And already we've seen a glimpse of that, which is really encouraging. Like very much under the radar in a game where Yanis was really orchestrating everything. Yanis had his career high, but he also had eight assists, six rebounds, or the other way around against the Lakers, if I remember correctly. And still, under the radar, Middleton came in, he had six assists of his own in 21 minutes. So this team has been really needing that, particularly on nights, say, where Delhi has maybe struggled to play make. So that's refreshing. It's nice to see that kind of, maybe one of the things that he was putting an emphasis into improving on, come in and pay off. How important do you think that is? Obviously, this season, if you could do some of that in the next few months, it would be a big help. But longer term, if we think back to what we saw from Middleton, say, after Christmas last year, where we had a few games in a row where he was at like eight, nine, I think he even had a 10 assist game. Do the Bucks need Middleton to play make to that extent? Is there, is it just useful to have the option or how is it going to balance out in terms of how much he handles the ball and how much he creates for others. 
I think it's pretty big because obviously now we're looking without Jabari and that, that takes a big option away. And teams, like you said before, with a four set is Giannis where teams are game playing for him. Middleton, even though I think teams, obviously they know his situation, they know he's just returning from injury, they're not going to you know let up on him or anything like that or play off of him because they know what he his track record. They know how he's performed historically, all that stuff. And they know how much he's improved too. I mean, last year we saw it like, like you said, like after the Christmas where maybe it was around like the Prunty, the yeah. Prunty era, the hang that banner. Um, uh, that's when Milton, we saw more of a pick and roll Milton or player out of him facilitating all the, the stuff. And I just think, if you carry that over to now where, you know, not just him, but we have seen Giannis with the ball more in his hands. He's bringing up uh, more up court. We're starting to see point Giannis when we all thought it was dead, at least personally. I know, I think Adam, you said, you definitely said it was dead too. So with those two like kind of changes with, especially with Jabari out now, I think as Milton gets further along and then eventually he, it's, you know, he starts playing on back-to-backs, even though that is still a little – makes us nervous. I think having that kind of outlet where a guy who demands great attention, you can't you have to play him tight just because he is such a great shooter, even though, you know, he still has to show signs of becoming that shooter again. You know, I think that helped team-wide where a guy like Delhi, who we all thought this guy should be a outlet shooter where, you know, he's spotting up basically his role in Cleveland. Uh Tony Snell is the same way. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the here. Brogdon, Mirza, like all this stuff, like having another playmaker who in Milton that, you know, demands such attention. I think that really helps the Bucks, and it helps, you know, just ease the workload for him. It puts the balls in his – puts the ball in his hands, but, you know, he, he has gotten far along with his playmaking skills that it's become a weapon for him in that sense. Yeah, like Jordan said, you know, you can you can never have enough good passes on a team, and especially if you've got someone like Chris who is that dual threat. If he's standing at the three point line, is he going to shoot or is he is he going to pass? Obviously, I think that was probably the thing that stood out the most to me in the last two games that he's played is that you know, although he's not yet at the stage where he may not necessarily be confident to take you know as he was previously, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen shots a game, he is actively looking for the for a a pass and that's you know it's a refreshing thing to see on the bucks too sometimes you know the the ball gets stagnant and people don't move off the ball so i think just generally you know it's going to help the bucks going forward and you know as i said you can never have enough good passes on a team right and the books are for all of the for all of the awful stuff we've seen this year um one area where they are still excelling in the nba and that is even with the ball sticking sometimes is they're fourth in the league in assists. I think they're at about 24 and a half assists per game. And obviously we're not going to get to see Yanis, Jabari, Middleton, everyone out there at once this year. Uh, but the idea of they were at that before Middleton came back, what he would add in, like they do have the personnel to be one of the best passing teams in the league. And the other thing with his shooting, and you kind of touched on it, Jordan, in terms of, like he's Chris Middleton, he's a 40% career three-point shooter. So teams are going to respect them. The best example to maybe give on that so people don't feel like they have to worry about, you know, oh, he still hasn't got his shot back. 
it's Mirza. <laughs> it's it's Mirza yeah. Kledovic. It's look at the positive impact he's had. And I know this drives a lot of fans crazy. They think he's just terrible. But he's not. All his teammates are better around him. It doesn't really matter what he's doing a lot of the time. I think what I've learned so far this season is if Mirza's is on the books win and they win very comfortably. Like if, mm-hmm. if Mirza's is making three pointers like he did on Saturday against the Pacers, it's game over. You're not stopping the books. But even when he's there, when he's on the floor, you'll see positive and the plus minus. He's first in the team in net rating. And that's because guys like Yanis, even a guy like Monroe, if Toledovic is playing the four, Monroe doesn't have to worry about space inside to operate. He knows he knows Mirza is going to be out in the perimeter. All of that really helps. And it can be a similar kind of effect where Chris Middleton's Chris Middleton. So, you know what? You don't want to be the team to say, He's not quite healthy yet. We'll just let him shoot, and uh, he's going to miss them. If you dare Middleton to shoot, he might just find the shot again. So I think that is important for their spacing. He's up to 21 minutes per game already. <laughs> what, what do we see as a progression on this? We're not doctors. We're not the medical staff. So we can only go on what we f- would feel is right or wrong or... <laughs> I, I just I, I felt 15 to 21 was a big jump in the space of two days. I'm now curious with a couple of days off what we might see from on Monday against the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest concern <laughs> I think we all had. Uh, I remember with Jabari's injury, I mean, it was like sudden how, you know, a guy coming off a torn ACL uh, or returning from a torn ACL, and then all of a sudden, like, wasn't really there wasn't a minutes restriction not long after he returned. Uh, so, with that track record with Ken, it's kind of like, okay, are we going to see the same thing again? Uh, and unfortunately, we'll have to see the same thing when Jabari returns, whatever that is. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I I'm, that is. That's giving me a little bit of pause uh, for obvious reasons. Just even though there are, we aren't going to see it this week and maybe not till next week, I can't remember if there's a back-to-back when uh, play gets back underway. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised if it's something like it goes, you know, from 15, whatever his minutes were in the Lakers game, to 21 to like 25 and then it's like oh here we go 30 <laughs> minutes yeah that's really good because like on that sort of progression that we're at by the time they play the nets on wednesday we're going to be seeing middleton playing like 30 minutes yep <laughs> i did their first back-to-back by the way just just for you come in team is um their first game back after the all-star break is on a Friday against the Jazz, then they play the Suns on the Sunday at home, and on the Monday they go on the road to play the Cavs. Hmm. I think, like you said before, Adam, obviously we, we, we're not clued in here, so we don't have all the facts, and obviously we're not doctors of any kind. So, you know, it's probably too, you know, we can't make a sweeping, you know, sort of... Um, you know, declaration on what's good and what's bad. But, you know, it, it could be concerning if he does, you know, rock up in the next couple of games and starts playing 25 to 30 minutes when, it, you know, you don't 
the Bucks don't need him to play yeah. that many minutes. I think that's what um, it's about, isn't it? It's more that it's unnecessary rather than even if it's medically okay, they they have all the reason in the world, considering what they've just seen happen to Jabari, to go, okay, well, if his number could be twenty eight minutes tonight, let's play him twenty four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's there's no reason to not err on the side of caution. It's exactly what you said about Giannis as well. There's no real reason for him to be playing 40 minutes. There's no game that you know, they need to win that much to have him out there. Although it's great to watch him, you know, drop 40 points. Um, yeah. I mean, clearly that game that they need to win so much is the Lakers. That's The Lakers at home is the game where you go, we've got to play Giannis 40 minutes. We're playing the Lakers at home. Nick Young um, is on fire. We gotta, we gotta. Been blown out for three and a half quarters, but it's kind of close now. So Giannis, you're not sitting again. Complete and utter madness. I can't wrap my head around that one. Um, I, I think relieved that Saturday just generally went a little bit better for that reason. Um, but yeah, I I don't even know what to make of that. Um, to go back to Milton for just a second, I think what was more like. At least for me, obviously we could, you know, just look at the minutes and, you know, obviously have concern from there. But it was more in like the manner of how he went into the game and how like his times on the floor, like his shifts, basically. It was like from the Heat game where it was very meticulous, like very regimented type minutes to things are going really bad already to start the Laker game. He plays like what the first eight minutes or the last eight minutes of the first quarter. Which he obviously didn't do the night before. He was done by the third quarter, right? Wasn't he? Pretty much. Yeah, he. I don't think he played the fourth. It, I, it was just like it was a weird to me. It just it felt like it was playing into this game and then playing into this narrative of like the savior Chris stuff that really makes everybody anxious, uh, especially at this point in the season. You know how it's suddenly turned into this weird, somewhat lost season. Probably I don't know, but anyway, it just it, that was like what was more more striking to me is like it, like immediately just getting eight minutes on the floor at times where he probably should just be. It it's not like I'm like Embiid, have him play like five minutes, take him out early, or well in this case uh, on the bench or whatever. Um, but just keep it very short since instead of immediately throwing him into the fire. That was just like okay, are we gonna do this really? Yeah, I mean, he could be first sub in in the first quarter, and then he could also be back out with like two minutes left in the first quarter, you know, and just kind of do it in shorter blocks like that. I think the you touched on earlier the way Jabari, I guess, when he came back, um, he didn't have this. It, it seemed like his minutes restriction disappeared very quickly. The one thing I think I'd say on that to compare, which is kind of important. Jabari did kind of have training camp and preseason, that kind of time where, look, a lot of stuff gets worked out. Like, I remember the reports emerging at the time he could play in preseason. In the end, they held him back, and it was, I think, the fourth game of the season, maybe the third game of the season when he, when he came in. But, like, I know Middleton has said himself he's given himself a little bit longer but it's a different kind of time still. It's harder for him to get reps with his teammates to get a full feel for it when it's mid-season and he was working towards coming back. So we'd seen towards the end, right, he was traveling with the team for road trips, but he wasn't doing that throughout. So there would have been times in January where he may have been fully cleared, the team were on the road, and he was back in Milwaukee working out. Like, 
it's slightly different. I feel it's harder for him to get his rhythm or to be fully there compared to Jabari, who right was at the tail end of it where he was coming back to full health. But it was still that kind of year where most of his teammates were going to be working up towards something anyway. That's enough on Middleton for now. We've got Middleton covered until um, next week. We have to take a break from talking about Brogdon and Giannis at All-Star Weekend because Middleton's played back-to-back 40-minute games. (laughs) Next on our agenda, big, big news. It really shows just what a week it was for the books that we had an emergency podcast that wasn't about this. We start a regular podcast and something else comes in ahead of it. But finally, the books have a D-League team. Um, I will admit, <laughs> I was very, very <laughs> doubtful of the timeline on this coming together. It still seems yeah. very ambitious. Um, Greg Pierce, who was in charge of the Fox Ali Pro Basketball movement, he kind of took a moment to reassure everyone at the press conference unveiling the team that, you know, the arena is going to be ready in time. It's... I, it is. It's gonna. I could see it. I was gonna, okay. Well, dude. I just hope there is a contingency, just in case. Um. But anyway, on Wednesday, right? Same day. Mm-hmm. Same day. Middleton came back. Same day. Jabari finished for the <laughs> What a one, two, three hammer! It was a big day. <laughs> it really was a big day. The books tend to do things in. I remember a day near the end of last season was when the owners talked. And oh, oh, his yeah. kid got his extension. The owners came and said some things. Then we had the weird post-game stuff the next day. It was the final game of last season. But this is how they seem to do things, is we'll all just hit at once. But I'm surprised they didn't make a trade just to cap it yeah, off. They could have held <laughs> off even on the only trade until Wednesday just to really make it special. But anyway, they announced in Oshkosh on Wednesday they'll have a D-League team that will operate from the start of the 2017-18 season which will be late November. D-League starts about three to four weeks later. Was it a relief to finally have this done and be a real thing? It really had gone past the point where it seemed like it was plausible that we weren't going to have to wait another year for this to become reality, right? Yeah, I mean, there we do have a track record of arenas being announced to be you know underway at a certain date and then being pushed back. So... Um, uh that's a little shade but anyway uh yeah it is i mean obviously it's i was thinking this like randomly came into my mind but we i know you and i and ty and you know good amount of bucks fans have talked about this before but like it was always kind of like a dream or a wish more than anything just like there wasn't anything like concrete about when the bucks would have a d-league team until like last summer when uh john hammond had a interview i think it was like uh 620 wtmj and he just randomly floated out at the idea of a d-league team we're like oh okay like like is this something that's on the radar so when you think about it like going from the summer to now when it's finally announced obviously there are other dates where they would they thought they were going to announce it and then obviously didn't come to pass but still when you think of like from that moment of it actually being a reality instead of or something that could happen instead of something that we were wishing to happen. Uh, what, a nine-month turnaround, maybe a little less, like, around there? Like, for that, something that quick to happen, even if it's a D-League team, it's obviously not, like, you know, creating an NBA team, but it's, it's a very significant part of 
what how the NBA is coming to be and what you need to have in your infrastructure. I mean, that's pretty impressive to me to have that type of turnaround to work on. We all know the cities that were involved in, in the process and all this stuff. Like, that's that's not a very small undertaking that you have to do. So that's obviously great to hear. And obviously the other part about it is just, you know, following this team, seeing players that could eventually come from the, uh, I don't know, summer league or even players that we see now, like Rashad Vaughn. I know we make jokes about this. I think the other day, I can't remember if this is actually on the podcast or not, but just something like having him actually play consistently and, have it be what I think like two hours away convenience, all this stuff. Like that's going to be really beneficial for a team that as we have gone over the last year plus when D league assignments are handed out there, it's not up to them. It's up to the team. That's owning it. It's not under your control and all that stuff. So now to have that in your, you know, back pocket, that's really good for the, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I think I'm way too excited for a D-League team than I probably should be. But now the Bucks actually have, you know, a, a legitimate way to bring players up and down through the D-League. Obviously, with two-way contracts coming in, it's going to be a lot easier for that. Um, but, you know, the Bucks have never been, you know, they've never used the D-League sort of probably as well as other teams have around the league. And that's mostly because that they haven't had their own affiliate. Um, so, yeah, it's just great to see that they finally announced it because, as Jordan said, through the summer it was like, you know, a decision is coming in August and then it didn't come and a decision is coming in September and didn't come and then it was Thanksgiving and then it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. So, you know, it's just good to see that it's happened. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a quick turnaround for them and I guess we'll wait and see what comes of that. But I'm just excited that the Bucks have now, a, you know, a legitimate way to use the D-League effectively. Yeah, I agree on that. I, I looked back. Um, the 5th of May was when John Hammond said they'd have a team within a year. So, I mean, I guess that's holding up your end of the bargain. It is. It's more, <laughs> as Tim said, it's a different date. Thanksgiving in particular was the one where, like, yeah. it, someone, it, it, multiple people had kind of officially said, yeah, that's when it's going to be. And I remember waiting and waiting, and then nothing happened that week. You're like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, it is very exciting. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited about what it'll mean for the books. You just have to look at lots of guys who, like, it's it's a more common thing for guys to come up from the D-League and really have a big impact as well. Obviously, Yogi Ferrell, um, the books have been burned by the Sean Kilpatrick thing, so they know, <laughs> they know a little bit about that. Um, like this is going to be very popular with some listeners, but really Johnny O'Brien is a guy who they Johnny O'Brien and Damian Inglis they don't just get mm. rid of them if they have a D League team at the time. You can afford to kind of at least keep close ties, so the option is there if you know something does materialize that you weren't quite sure ever would. So that's really what it's there for. It's there so they can take more chances. Another thing that it will be there for is. Right now, we're talking about the minutes Middleton gets and everything. Like that's really where it. I think if you're a sensible organization and it's it's within state still, which is really important for this kind of thing, you could give Middleton three or four games in the D League before he even gets NBA intensity to kind of build his health back up. It can be used for all kinds of things like that. Even a minor injury, if someone just needs you know 
some lighter minutes the advantage of being able to just i guess play around and experiment with it can't be underestimated and um, at the same time it's a way then that the books could completely define their entire culture and this is important i think it's something that should but may not um lead to bigger discussions about everything to do with their style of play this summer how they run their offense how they run their defense what exactly are their core principles because starting from next year you're not just going to have one team that's going to live and die by that you're going to have two teams because the d-league team has to mirror your main franchise so that if you do end up calling guys up or you're sending them down their assignment they're not learning something completely different it's a seamless fit all of that is very interesting and i guess where this really ramps up and I guess gets that more interesting again will most likely be the summer when we start to hear of personnel being hired and that's before even we get near players that's when you're getting to who's going to be the coach who's kind of going to be in and around it in terms of assistant coach if they're going to have designated analytics people you do normally have a separate gm of sorts or there's some name of the position right there's I'm, I'm nearly certain there's some executive position anyway to to handle elements of the basketball ops down there. It's when you start to see what they do with all of that that it will feel a little bit more real and get a little bit more interesting. But I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be able to watch a books D League team. Um, I, I'm excited to be able to write about and cover and talk about a books D League team. That's something I've often been jealous of other team sites of having that option. It's something that. I definitely will be all on board with a behind the book pass that will be all over the D League team as well. Getting all that stuff out of the way, it's like got to the important part of this. That's the name. <laughs> so as we had the team is unnamed, they have a contest. It's no no prize being advertised. Not sure how I feel about this. And they can <laughs> they don't at least, get a, it's a win they can six give a win in six mug. Exactly. They yeah. can at least give a win in six mug. Um, they have a contest running on whatever the D League website is. There's about three or four different URLs that you can use to get you there. Um, have either of you submitted a name? I have not. Yeah, I haven't actually submitted a name. Obviously, I think we've all this been is, thinking about I'm, names I'm over the past I'm year. Submitted a name. This is awful. I was expecting more people to submit. Maybe I'm the well, only I would like one. To, I would like to unveil my official theory. Oh, here we are. Well, no, no, I mean, it's like a, for a name, but the fact that they chose... We should have known that they were going to chose, or choose Oshkosh long before we heard the cities. You okay, this, this fits in with two of my theories, so I'll let you go on this. Okay. The Bucks this offseason, they signed Jason Terry... Jason Terry, what is his nickname? The Jet. What happens to be in Oshkosh? The E-A-A. Oshkosh. Boom. That was it. That Which was... Remind me, I, I looked this up last week when I was trying to pick out my own potential nickname. Uh, what does the E-A-A stand for exactly again? The Experimental Aircraft Association. That makes it sound more like... <laughs> that was something... Aviation. Experimental yeah. Aircraft Association is really different. I mean, yeah, that's what apparently it is. I thought it was aviation too. Uh, are you sure Wait, someone's not? My... 
According to Wikipedia, it's an yeah. international organization of aviation enthusiasts. Wow, there you go. Which, if ever a man was going to be an aviation enthusiast, it's it's Jet and his oh yeah, the man who literally flies up and down a basketball court. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think if Jason Kidd is still the Bucks head coach heading into next season. I think Jason Terry will be the, the coach of the Bucks D League affiliate. He was going to make the jump to college coaching this year. If he does stick around, they want someone who'll implement the same system that Jason Kidd is running, which we don't need to get too angry or into that right now. As I'm sure people <laughs> listening are, but this is hypothetical. Um, I think, well, who would they have go there? Who might be able to reach through the players? Jason Terry's doing that as a teammate right now. Um, so he could definitely do it as a coach. We know he wants to get into coaching. It would be a good way to do so. And he's probably right up there with Jason Kidd's most trusted lieutenants. So, yeah, I think Jason Terry to coach the D-League team. That's if Kidd stays, which I know will get all sorts of reactions. What was – sorry, this is a random aside, but what was Jason Terry's – do you remember watching – It was like I think it was like the New Year's game. It was against like the Bulls or something. And he had a very funny quote about like playing a bunch. It was something about like if I ran this, hard- it was about, it was about smoking. Yes, that's yeah. what I was smoking. Uh, I can't I don't remember think exactly he could do another season of of having lungs where he feels like he's smoking when he plays large or a long amount of time. He took a moment to reiterate. He says, "I don't smoke." <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks for reassuring us on that. I, my my one big problem with all of this is saying that he'd be the coach of the D League team assumes that Jason Terry won't be back for another year as a player because <sighs> genuinely right now he could be back for another year as a player. He's shooting over 40% from three. That is value. He's been good. He's, He's been, been good. Really good. Jason Eugene Terry has been great. Uh, everybody should be praising him more. Does yeah, that mean I... we have to get Steve Novak in to coach the team for one year? Oh, the, that's the not jet. a bad second choice. I think it is, Jordan. How dare you? When has Steve Novak ever inspired <laughs> anyone? Uh, a lot of people in this state, they were very inspired when they signed him. And then, Sully did not, not inspired. I don't know. It was Maybe. an inspiring, I've heard it was an inspiring message of hope. I've heard stranger things. Uh, he's being asked to hang around, we hear. I, I don't know. I honestly, Steve Novak could resurface yet in any position, and it probably wouldn't shock me entirely. So maybe. He's back to peering outside the window, wanting <laughs> to get back into the Bucks forgot, kingdom. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, it's, he's back to. They just that's how they that's how they told him. He was waved. It was just Steve, other side of the glass now. <laughs> we'll give you your umbrella in case it rains. Yeah. So my my name suggestion, my preference, is in keeping with all these other aviation tie-ins. It's. The Fox Valley Flyers. It's a winner. Oh, That's a very good. Like, name. I don't, don't think. I think they should just give me the prize now. I tweeted <laughs> this. I'm ready to go down <laughs> in the well. annals of books history with already travel Cox. and I'm I'm ready for it. I am. So I, I mean, if someone can, I've I've seen others. I've one that first came to mind to me, and I know we got tagged in some tweets. Then later, I thought it was good originally, but you know what? I've moved on. I've come up with better since people. But that was the Fox Valley phones. If we we're keeping it books related, but it's better to tie to the area. Um, I'm 
I'm all in on Fox Valley Flyers. I've officially submitted it. So there. Good job. If you do win it, I'm, I'm not going to call you Adam anymore. We're just going to call you RD. I forgot it was RD. I thought it was RT. Like no, RT. R- I noticed it's RD. I am the person cited. This is not a joke. On Wikipedia oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> for the fact that RD Chabelcox named the books. So who knows? Maybe a year from now, I'll be cited for me being the person named the DV team. How great would that be? Wikipedia Simon Adam McGee. <laughs> so has no so we're definitely sure that um, they're going to go with, well, I assume, this is what I'm assuming, that they're going to go with Fox Valley based off sort of the press yeah, conference and what they that was... uh, Peter Peter Fagan was on, um, I think it was 105.7 FM, the fan, um, speaking about a whole host of things. We'll get to some of them very shortly. Uh, but... <laughs> One of them was this, is it going to be Fox Valley? Is it going to be Oshkosh? And he said they basically, they don't know. They haven't decided. They're open to all things. He said, we're thinking it will be both. I don't know if anyone actually picked up with this um, (laughs) because I found it very difficult to wrap my head around. He said, it may be Fox Valley in a kind of primary sense, but we will maybe have, I don't know, maybe he was hinting at kind of secondary or tertiary logos that involve Oshkosh a little bit more like say the books have the alternate logo that's the map of the state and um, but he didn't kind of get it out that way if that's what he wanted to say he was kind of hinting they'd use both so uh, maybe it's going to be the Fox Valley Oshkoshes I don't know but... <laughs> or the or another way around the Oshkosh Fox Valleys I, I can't say that without that's a tongue twister I, I think they are better going Fox Valley I think it's more in keeping mm-hmm. with what their whole goal for this was and that's they want to spread awareness of the team throughout the state. So it's one thing to send the team to Oshkosh and do that. An even better way to do it is call the team Fox Valley and give everyone in like Appleton, Fond du Lac. Where else? Where else, Jordan, is the Fox Valley area? Or have I just named all Fox Valley places? Well, those are like the, the main uh, points. I'm sure there's like a Horicon. Uh, that's a small area. That's actually, a, it's more of a town. Uh, you got the Lake Lake Winnebago. I mean, there's just a bunch of things there. <laughs> <laughs> Calling up Fox Valley would seem more in keeping with that whole drive to expand the identity around the state. I mean, if you do that, you should technically engage a wider audience of people rather than just calling it Oshkosh's team. Yeah, it definitely makes a lot more sense that like that, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I think that's... That's what made it more attractive as a site to me, like without any <laughs> being in the decision making process or anything like that. It's obviously a huge uh, market or whatever you want to call it, outreach or gateway. I don't know, these random words. But uh, look at you with your marketing speak. Yeah. <laughs> put on my marketing hat, got my PowerPoint, but uh, one of those pointy things. Uh, a pointer. Anyway. The point, well, no, I'm thinking like the one where you can extend it and hit like a, a whiteboard. All right, another one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, but yeah, that is the main reason why it was such a uh, workable site in, to begin with. And obviously now it is, that's where it's going to be. It makes it, plus it kind of flows better name wise. I know that's not why they're picking it, but like, Fox Valley sounds better to me than Oshkosh. 
because then I, people I think just it's more big... easily digested from a national and maybe international standpoint, even. Yeah, and the Ash—I mean, people are going to make the Ashkash Bagash jokes. That's I mean, that's already happening million times already. Yeah, yeah, they're going to sell pants for free. I, well, they wouldn't be selling them <laughs> if they were free. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the one sad thing that has come out of this, and there's only one sad thing, and that is that the old Sheboygan Armory won't be won't be coming back to be the destination for the Bucks D League team. And um, when we have spoken about this in the past, I know both Jordan and I were were very much fans of the Sheboygan Armory idea. I think as Jordan once said to me, whether it was on a podcast or private. Um, Jordan had said the ideal would be if you could take the armory and mm-hmm. put it in Oshkosh. Um, but there was something quite kind of, I don't know, it was, it was a romantic idea that this old kind of picturesque arena could be renovated and that it could be the home of the team now. But look, the reasons why they picked Oshkosh are clear. They're hard to argue with on the whole. And it's a big win for the Bucks. We're going to have a D-League team. Very exciting news. I just hope that they get all of the other stuff within the entire organization figured out before they start setting up another one. Yeah, and you know, I mean, to my that uh, unrealistic idea, you just don't want to pull out the end of Home Improvement. I mean, that's straight out of Home Improvement's playbook where they move the house and take it up to, like, <laughs> Indianapolis or whatever it was. You don't want to take it from Tim the Toolman Taylor. That, I mean, that would have been a very exciting press conference if, like, we were like, <laughs> "Oh, Oshkosh got the team." Oh yeah, here we are, and then they're like, "Okay, so as we speak, <laughs> the pieces of the Chipotle Armory are being airlifted to the Fox Valley area." And I think that would have been exciting. Um, would have made for a better Wednesday, I have to say. <laughs> Moving on to the other storyline to come out of Wednesday. The one we haven't touched on yet. It came much later on Wednesday night. While many books fans were kind of I think loitering around Twitter is the best way to put it. I'll include myself in this. Loitering around Twitter just in case any Jabari news broke immediately. Um, Some buzz was starting to, I guess, generate among the the books beat writers who were present at the the Bradley Center that you know uh, we haven't there's still no still no availability with Jason Kidd yet we haven't had a press conference and it's kind of usual it's going on a little bit long and then it was Charles Gardner of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel he tweeted there's a coaches meeting we're still waiting and then all of a sudden John Hammond appeared <laughs> like a thief in the night at the podium to do the post-game availability, which this just doesn't happen. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely saw this when it was on Twitter or I read it somewhere. It was, it was someone raised the question of, is this actually breaking rules? Which I have a feeling it might be. I think the coaches are supposed to technically be available in the media post-game. But... Regardless, John Hammond was the man who was there. Um, he spent about 90 seconds very briefly took questions. He was to the point about it all. Um, he was obviously pretty down about what had gone on that night. But 
the official party line at the time was look we don't know any more about jabari until tomorrow we won't know until then so it wouldn't be wise of us to say anything right now so that was fine that was a that was a weird night that was hmm, no jason kidd after they got absolutely i can't remember what scored that game finish it was bad um it was 106 to 88 but it was much worse. It was than worse that. than that before the end. I think Bees had a good fourth quarter. It was, it was because of Beasley, because he just had like random like twelve points or right. something like that. So they were beat down. They were hammered by the heat, and then Kid doesn't show up to the press conference. Hammond does it, and we go to the next morning. So not only are we waiting, oh, you're forgetting. You're forgetting something though. One of his answers. Oh like, no! During... I'll, I'll I'll get to that. I'll get to that bit now. Okay. So. <laughs> I'll bring it in in the context of the next day, but it happened on the night. So the next morning, everyone wakes up. Where, on top of Jabari news, they're they're waiting for more of you know, what happened back there. What was, what was going on? So officially, what John Hammond had attributed Jason Kidd's absence when he was asked about it in between Jabari Parker questions, the press conference, um, Hammond had said, "Look, there's no." It's no big deal. Jason, the coaches are having basketball discussion. It was running all, so I said I'd come out just so you know. You guys were anxious that you'd get to get to hear from us sooner or later under the circumstances, and I was put on. So basketball discussions was was now the buzzword. As I mentioned that morning, um, team president Peter Fagan went on. Uh, it was it was. Yeah, I'm nearly nearly certain. I think it might have been the Chuck and Winkler show on 105.7 The Fan. And he was asked about Jabari. He said, look, we're waiting on the MRI. We should know later. He asked about the D-League. And then finally he was asked, yeah, the whole thing last night, you know, the, the basketball discussion and Jason Kidd not doing the press conference, John Hammond doing it. Yeah, what exactly was that about? So when John Hammond had told us the coaches were having a basketball discussion where Charles Gardner had reported as a coach's meeting, uh, Peter Fagan then proceeded to say, well, actually, Mark Lasry, one of the co-owners, he was at the game and he'd normally talk to Jason and they, they just, they were talking and it went on a little bit longer than usual. And that prompted, I feel like it was a joke to ask, um, is Jason Kidd still the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks? To which Peter Fagan very unconvincingly said, oh yeah, Jason's still the coach. I saw stuff again later in the day, then obviously later at practice, Jabari's injury is announced. Jason Kidd then kind of alluded to, oh, you know what? We just felt John would handle that situation better. It was very raw. There was a lot of emotion going around. So with all of this, we've got like four, five different versions of events of what happened. Um, there's one of them that I, I think definitely happened because I don't see the benefit in coming out and saying that outright, and that would be Peter Fagan's Mark Lazary was meeting with him. And uh, perhaps everyone else involved in the story was just too aware and uncomfortable of what that might sound like after a big loss if the owner was meeting with him. But this was a very weird thing. This was weirder than a lot of the stuff that had gone on that night even. Was that the most books way possible to top off 
D-League, Middleton return, Jabari injury Wednesday. Oh, yeah. It was like – I mean, if you think about that day, every it's like a, it, everything rises. like Middleton's finally back. Oh, yeah. And then everything just goes downhill from there. It was like a story in itself, really. Um, the the hope and then the the hope being dashed away as <laughs> the night goes on. But it was it was like a I stock mean, exchange crash was basically the book oh, shares yeah. book oh, shares would have plum, plummeted after rising very sharply early in the day. They would have plummeted that evening. Put it all on Yahoo. Put it all on Yahoo. Uh, buyer sellers market, Snellers market. I mean, uh, it was it was just weird. That that was like what was. I understand, like, obviously, with retrospect, I mean, if we, I think we talked about the day, uh, the following day when we did our emergency podcast, because even then, like, it still wasn't really, like, there were so many different things. I think we probably would have probably been a little bit more just, like, what is still really weird, all this stuff. So now, with, like, some hindsight, uh, that hasn't really gone away, but it is, I mean, it just, again, like, whatever reason what it was, the optics of it look incredibly bad. Mm-hmm. Like I made a joke about uh, the next day about like, oh, Mark Lazarus meeting with Jason Kidd to ask for tips about the celebrity game. Like it was like that, like cartoonish to me, like to have something like that. And obviously, you know, we could figure out why there may have been meetings and obviously Jabari's injury. Like I would think that is a very big reason because of it. But it was still like all times. Like he still couldn't she just wait to do it after availability? I mean, it's availability is like not that really long. Like I, I don't know. Oh, I mean, uh, most nights you could have that done within. I mean, you, the books would be posting up like the clips on social media within 15, 20 minutes of the game being finished. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they're about to travel anywhere. Their ha- their next game is going to be at home, and they're off the next day like it just again optics are incredibly bad i even i think a lot of us like if you were paying attention and just wanting to see if there was any news for jabari to see that like come out of nowhere like out of left field it was just like what like what's going on like i it just was so it was i don't know it was crazy to think about and then as you mentioned hearing peter fagan's answers to a question related to that, uh, wasn't in fact like confidence, you know, uh, a very confident answer. It's like, oh yeah, he's he's doing fine. He's over here. Like, yeah, he's uh, the answer, to be more specific on that. Um, he was asked, "Is Jason Kidd still the coach?" And he kind of kind of laughs. He goes, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah." And he goes, "I mean, he's at a, <laughs> why he's right here. He's at a, a coach's <laughs> meeting at 10 a.m. He's got practice at 11, and he's kind of just listing off things and." Uh, it was weird because it was like he was talking about things today. It's like, oh yeah, he's still the coach today. He's doing this rather than yeah. Oh no, he's still the coach. Look, we believe Jason is the guy long term. It's not been an easy season. We've had look, we've had these two injuries. Now there wasn't that kind of stuff that you expected. We just had. Oh yeah, I mean he's got a meeting at ten, and then he's practice, and he's another meeting later where there's going to be more basketball discussed. It was kind of, Ugh. it was along those lines, which was very strange. But the one thing, as I said, like there's no, there's no benefit to saying what Peter Fagan said from a publicity standpoint. So that's the one thing that we know for sure. And to be honest, 
as you said, because of the injury, I would guess that Jason Kidd that night did have a meeting with the coaches, with John Hammond and with the ownership. Like that all seems logical. Some pretty big stuff happened. Um, but it's just the, uh, you know, why from the start was it not? Oh, well, Jason's not here because um, he's just gone. Everyone's meeting, right? <laughs> Jabari's injured. <laughs> Things might be bad. Everyone's meeting, right? You understand that? You're all huddled around your phones on Twitter. Well, we're all meeting, okay? Instead of that, it was just this. Everyone's saying something different, and that leaves you in a place where it's like you're kind of applying some unnecessary context to a situation that's already bad. You don't want people reading in further that being like, well, are they, they going to fire the coach? Are they going to fire the coach on the day that Jabari Parker tears his crucial ligaments again? It's like, you didn't need all of that. It was just a weird Booksian situation. I think the, the Fagan answer was just, it was like he was almost oblivious to all of the speculation that was flying around after these strange series of events happened. Just, you know, Jason Kidd, it's, it's uh, that he's, he's popping it from all angles, you know, fans and, you know, critics alike. And to have John Hammond come out in such a strange situation to say that you know he's not being made available tonight because he's having a basketball discussion i don't i don't know if you can put out anything that's more speculative for everybody to come in from all angles and make it such a frenzied situation there's also the element of i mean of saying he's having a basketball discussion he's the head coach of a basketball team and a basketball game just ended <laughs> like yeah. what is he is he having like a movie discussion a music discussion like <laughs> What, what other discussion is he it possibly is, having? But it is like the perfect Jason Kidd <laughs> yeah, term to it use. Is. It's like a basketball like, player. I think that's why it struck a chord even more. It's like, that's oh, oh he would say that. He yeah. would say basketball discussion. It's like people, people think Jason Kidd and John Hammond aren't on the same page. Now we know they are. They, use the, they want guys who can have basketball discussions in basketball jerseys. <laughs> That's, that's really what it's all about. That's, I mean, if you could do those oh. things, welcome to the books. Um, it was, it was very strange. We've say. had a lot of strange press conferences in 2017. We had the Orlando post game, all that stuff. Even though that wasn't necessarily a press conference or anything. Yeah, like but that. delay. They, uh, did he do? I can't remember. It was delayed. It was late. It was late. That's I mean, right. Yeah. Again, I think the only. It was a road game, so I think we probably only had Charles Gardner traveling from a book's perspective there. Um, and I do remember he tweeted out, look, we're still waiting. It's like 40 minutes. Um, it seems like they're having a team meeting. So, yeah, there's been that. There's been mint. The sucky out of mint. Yeah. Um, and then, it was the one where he took all the blame for everything. Was that this year? That was, oh, that was mint. Yeah, okay. That was the mint as well, yeah. That oh, was, that was the mint. Yeah. Oh. Where he was passively, oh passive aggressively sucking on the mint while saying, "It's on me, it's all on me." Um, it's coaching, it's coaching, it's basketball coaching. <laughs> it's basketball decisions that I have made with my coaching. Yeah, it's really... like this. Like that. Like took the cake. I, like another famous post game or post media or after the game like situation like is burned in my Bucks brain is. Gary Neal going off on Larry Sanders and leaving the locker room, calling out like, you know, I make the, you you make this money and you haven't, you know, I forgot w like what's the specific quote, but basically you just call out Larry Sanders and it's like, 
okay, like like when I think of a Bucks type like like epitome of like a press conference after like a bad loss or whatever, like that's the one that comes to mind. Now, like I think that's been beaten by this when like past Wednesday. It was just it was just insane. It was just weird. Very weird. Yeah, I mean that's uh, below the owners, you probably had the three most influential people in the organization all speak out and say different things. It, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's it's very, very strange. It's like if there was gonna be a meeting had the one thing I guess to say is maybe you're gonna lose your, your star player long term. You know, it's this kind of thing comes up. That's the time for a meeting, and the first meeting you have should be what are we going to tell the fans? What are we going to tell the press? Let's all get on the same page on this. I think Tim's point is right. I think Peter Fagan probably... Peter Fagan was probably caught off guard. I'm sure Peter Fagan, like, he probably wasn't at the game. Maybe not. Um, he may even have been. I wouldn't blame if he wasn't watching. If he was like, I've had a long day. I've just announced a D-League team. I'm going to bed. And even think about Hammond. He, Hammond was at the Hammond press conference. That as well. That's true, right. That's that's what made it even stranger that he was coming out. He was like working double duty that day. I double admit, duty Hammond. <laughs> it's just <laughs> completely. Oh, it's it's so books. It really is just so so strange. Um, I'm sure. Now that you bring it up, though, like that has to be like the first real like question anybody has asked about Jason Kidd. Like, I know it sounds ridiculous to say yeah, now. No, it's, it was jarring like, to hear someone like on radio actually ask someone key within the organization, is he still the coach? Yeah. That, that hasn't happened. Um, so, you know, it could be a kind of thing that, that opens a dialogue and that, but it was very jarring and strange. Um, mm. And maybe that's part of the reason as well why his answer was so convincing that they're just not prepared for that. They're like, what? Really? People are going to ask us that? Um, they haven't even gone through. You just went to the store. You bought a couple of toilet brushes. He, everything's going good with him. That's he's, like he's back answer. there talking about basketball, and um, with coaches, with owners, with popcorn, and a coke. <laughs> it's coke. Moving on from basketball discussions to to a basketball discussion, I guess. I guess this is what the whole podcast is. Um, <laughs> I feel I feel like we have a new description. A basketball discussion about the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and that I like that, unfortunately, brought to mind some other references, but I really <laughs> I, I really like that. <laughs> um Todd Maker, right? Todd Maker. Um, if anyone's being the big winner of all of this. Oh, not the press conference, but most of the other horrible stuff for this week. It's probably been Tom. Um, we said we'd talk a little bit about him on the emergency podcast when this one came around. Because, obviously, at that point, we had Howard Beck's great Bleacher Report feature on him. Uh, if you haven't read it yet, Tom Maker is the book Secret Unicorn is the name of it. Uh, one of the very best books things I've read in quite a long time. It's like maybe only second to oh actually you know there's been a few um the Jabari piece from Jordan Ritter Khan on the Ringer was incredible. You've had obviously honestly Jenkins this is right up there in that kind of bracket so uh, Howard Beck is always worth reading Howard Beck on Tom Maker is great but we went from this Tom Maker feature 
which was fun but it's, i also thought it was like it's unusual it's, it to us it makes sense but still to the rest of the league i mean he's the mystery tenant pick and he hadn't really been playing um so i guess the timing of it to get a little bit more awareness out there was particularly good but since then we've had him start a power forward against the lakers start at center against the pacers first of all general impressions of how ton has been dealing i mean the last month or so really where all of a sudden it's like he's getting these random starts um we, we talk about it's not easy for guys to when they don't have time to prepare they don't know their role i mean no one had a more severe case that this year than ton getting a start because the players voted for jabari to start a game on the bench so ton has gone through that he's then gone through starting in a power forward after jabari and as i said now back at center how do you feel he's dealt with all of that considering everything and remember in the middle of this as well he had that trip to toronto and all the media scrutiny of the immigration laws too he's had a pretty crazy month yeah i mean it's i think you kind of hit it on the head about this guy has barely played how many minutes has he played right now uh let me look up really quick but to have all this stuff happen with like you said like the toronto situation i mean whatever's you know he's at 100, 100 like that. 188 minutes. Yeah, he's played 188 minutes and has a full feature on him or has a full feature on him, has been a subject of a very serious, you know, not just a sports story, but it's about his life with, you know, the Toronto situation going through the borders. Um, And obviously just being a mystery with how he was drafted, the way he came to the draft and all the other stuff that came along with it, which – we don't have to go into, but uh, for our sanity. Um, I mean, this guy's played 188 minutes. So from that point and to see this, you know, game like last night against the Pacers where he's three of five from three-point land, he's what, 55%? Where was it? 55.5% from three? And this is not, a, it's not a small – I mean, it is a small sample like for obviously, but – We've seen enough games where, you know, he's hitting multiple threes a game. He's jacking him up. He has a legitimate, you know, shot. They even talked about it into the future, which is, I don't think I even like clued up on it when I, until I read it. I was like, oh yeah, like I, I even went back and saw like how he was, how he played in summer league. It's like, oh yeah, it already looks different, and it's been a matter of eight months. He's been a, a buck for eight months really and to see that progress or you know progress for him in a matter of that time and considering he just only played high school basketball uh it's just it's crazy it's it's crazy obviously there's you know you can point out to some plays there are a lot of uh i think with more time on the the court obviously the fouls comes to mind first but there have been more defensive lapses or not lapses but just he's a 19-year-old player who is still getting used to playing a de- defense that is so aggressive, and he is just—he's this kind of player that just moves. He cannot stop moving. He ha- is so like kinetic. You know what I mean? Like it—it's—I don't know. It's just crazy. But there obviously are drawbacks to where he is for, 
where he is right now. But again, it's still very, very uh, encouraging to see a player that I think we had. I put a very low bar at what I would like to see for him, uh, from him for the for his rookie season. He's far exceeded that at this point in time. Yeah, I think he's responded exceptionally well. Um, obviously, coming in, you know, he was the mystery prospect. We didn't quite know, you know, how long it was going to take for him to be able to even get onto an NBA floor. Obviously, considering we know the like the weight issue, and have, like Jordan said, he you know, the last level of basketball he played before summer league was high school, and in Canada, it will be that. But he's extremely energetic on the floor, and he gives, you know, he's it's. I don't even think it's a reach to say that he's the, definitely when he's on the floor for the Bucks, he's the most energetic player, and it's mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't switch off, you know, and that's extremely promising to see. Um, you know, like he's only played 188 minutes, but that is I think enough of a sample size to see that you know he's a decent shooter for us. Um, but yeah, exceeding all expectations, and you know I think the matter of now, you know, looking at the last the final sort of 30 29 games of the season. Um, Whereas at the beginning of the season, it, you know, it was a completely different situation and he may have only been coming in and playing sporadic minutes. I think now there's a legitimate case to see him play you know, a solid 15, 20, possibly even 25 minutes down the stretch of this season just to give him that experience. And, you know, he's thriving. Obviously, you know, like the fouls and, you know, he's going to be out of place at point, but a rookie who hasn't played against competition for, you know, for that long, um, He's just adapted extremely well, and like the fact that how how much he's improved just since summer league, like Jordan said, is just remarkable. And you know, it's it's just great to see him like that. Yeah, I mean, like if you're looking at Tron in terms of even his shooting, he's sixty percent for the month of February. So really, when his since his role has gone, that's from, that's from three point range. Um, like. It's so effortless. His stroke is perfect to look at now. And mm. it's the kind of thing where you're looking and you're wondering, like, longer term, with those long arms, with the height advantage he has over everyone, how are teams going to stop that? I mean, like, blocking a Tom Maker shot isn't going to be something. He's got a quick release. It's a relatively high arc, and he's seven foot one. I mean, how are you going to? How are you going to stop him? How are you even going to bother him? Uh, if you have a guy who's anything other than seven foot out there with him, you're not going to get close to contesting it. And famously, a lot of traditional centers can't get out that far. Um, so smaller guys guarding him are going to have problems from behind the three-point line. That's something pretty impressive to already be able to say or to be able to think about. I mean beyond the 60% for three-point range, he's 13 of 25 from the field in February. And the free throw thing, I'm finding very puzzling. He really struggles at the line. I think he's about 60% overall the season. I'm not sure why that is, because everything else just looks so perfect in terms of his shot mechanically. But if he was able to make the adjustments that it sounds like from the Howard Beck article he's made on his three-point stroke, I'm not necessarily concerned about him making the rest of the adjustments long-term. That's something, that's not a big, it is a big deal. Like, it's, that's not a given that, you know, oh, there's this little glitch. You need to 
you need to look at exactly how much you're raising your foot and your balance when you when you finish your shot. That's not like, oh yeah, that's fine. In three months, I'll have that figured out. Like that's very impressive. We've been through this with Yanis and Dubari and how long it would take their shot to come along, and still works in progress. Definitely in Yanis' case. So the fact that he is able to adjust that is really very very impressive. For me, the most impressive part of all of this, the, the Howard Beck feature in particular, but then everything we see from on the court, it's just his attitude, it's his demeanor, it's the energy we've talked about, but it is also the fact that he is a leader on this team. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but he looks like the guy setting this home. And anytime I read quotes, and more often than not again, you're going to be reading Charles Gardner quotes on this, but post game, if he talks to Tom, you get really honest, direct, but you know, like accountable quotes and really tangible stuff where it's like, as a team, we're not doing this, or this is the problem right now. And this is what we've got to fix. And it's something very similar to Malcolm Brogdon. I find this, this really interesting that like, if the books are to get through this rough patch, if they were to turn this season around in terms of a, a record sense somehow as, as improbable as that seems. You expect Yanis to drive it with his play. But in terms of actually driving it in terms of a, a locker room or a collective feeling or atmosphere, outside of Jason Terry, the only two guys that I feel very confident say the right things and do the right things to do that are Tom Maker and Malcolm Brogdon, which is mind-blowing obviously we've had a lot of fun with the fact that we learned books teammates have dubbed tom the sheriff which is is great but the fact that that is that is a thing like i'll I'll quote um i'll read just this section out from the howard beck piece for anyone who hasn't heard it yet um it's teammates have dubbed tom maker the sheriff because of his vocal nature his attention to details and rules and his eagerness to hold everyone accountable the veterans have entrusted him with rule enforcement that finds, we'll get back to this in a minute, <laughs> even if they make him wear a neon SpongeBob SquarePants backpack on road trips as part of his rookie hazing. The rookie is the strongest voice in the locker room. On the bench, he's the one pointing out the blown defensive assignment, but he does it all with a deft, disarming touch. And teammates accept it. Terry says, because he's 100% right. We're talking thirty-nine year old, what, like twenty years of experience. He's, he's like more than half his age. It's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's completely but that shows that shows Tom's confidence, one, which is great, and it's really important. I don't think that's something it's not something we could even have said for Yanis when he came in. For all the potential, Yanis mm-hmm. didn't believe in himself. That took time. Tom mm-hmm. believes in himself. Like Tom is ready. That's like when he comes out and he gets the start against Rudy Gobert and you're looking at your gun, I'm not quite sure if this is a good idea. And he blocks Rudy Gobert twice in three or four minutes. It's like, okay, the fouls come later, the defensive lapses come. But you can see what he's about as a player. You can see what he's about as a person. They're the things really that make it seem like he could be something really special. We're seeing glimpses of the potential, but more than just saying he's the nicest person he's always smiling which we get a lot of that's great that doesn't necessarily translate to you're going to be the most successful basketball player someone who's already like trying to lead by example as a rookie who's played 188 minutes in the locker room that does stand out to me as something 
really sort of promising for the future of this team because we have talked the past they they have lacked those obvious voices yeah definitely and i think when you think of it's it's hard not to think of Giannis's you know journey with the bucks and just it's a very easy reference point to have even though they are very two different players and personalities the more we've learned about him but just to see like if you think about like his trajectory during that seat that you know the famous 1567 uh uh season in 2013-14 i mean Giannis, they're like making they're designing plays for thon like when you saw Giannis, it was either him doing what he usually does where you know running in transition or just standing in a corner they're designing plays for thon and now like i think we've talked about it last week you know the Nuggets game where you see him on like he for the second half. I don't think he. I don't. I'm not. I'm forgetting if he played at all. But uh, he's on the sideline like up and down like real like he's coaching out there. And that's all that's stuck in the game since. Like it's been really pronounced. Like how much of a you know uh, a leader I guess it's as crazy as that's you know for me to say. But uh, it's really like it's starting to flesh out like there it's maybe it's there's a rookie wall coming in terms of performance but just in terms of like what it means for him this season getting acclimated to the nba all this stuff that you know we've touched upon when you see stuff like that like him coming out of the shell and just not being this kind of novelty that we really or this uh you know hope for the future really to see this all like being flushed out in front of our eyes, like that's pretty cool to see. And that's what, I don't know, that's what makes it even more thrilling to watch. Yeah, touching on what Jordan said there, um, when someone makes a shot, if you look at the bench, Thon is the first guy up mm-hmm. oh, every yeah. single time. Um, you know, he's vocal off the bench. And this isn't, like we said, this, is something, this isn't something that we expect from a 19-year-old rookie, especially he didn't even go to college. He came straight out of high school. Um, and considering his journey to the NBA. But just talking about, like, the Howard Beck article and just when you watch, like, you know, those features that the Bucks do when, like, they interview him and Brogdon or just, you know, talk about when in the practice facility and stuff like that, you never hear a bad word about him as a person. But beyond that, you don't hear a bad word about his character or his drive. He's just such a you know, impressive person in that sense. And you can see that, like, generally he's, you know, he, he's the hardest working guy in there. He's generally you know, trying to adapt to the NBA. And it's just great to see that. I think we've reached a point now where the book strategy when it comes to drafting, more than anything else, I think we put it down to, and it gets attributed now because they went, they followed Giannis up a ton as like the books really like um, these, these sort of projects or these, they'll swing for the fences. What if more than anything, and I think this rings true on their successes in particular, it's high character guys they're picking. It's like over anything else, the most successful recent books draft picks. I mean, you can even, you could go, even someone like, I mean, John Henson is a high character guy. He's always been very well liked in the locker room. He's been good around the community. It's, it's a recurring theme of what they've done in drafting in recent years. And I mean, last year, that was very much it with two guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if this year 
we get to the point where we're going, well, who are they going to pick? And you're starting to look and you're saying, well, you know, there's question marks over that guy's work ethic where this guy mightn't have quite the same talent, but he's everyone loves him. He leads his team. Um, he does things the right way. That's the guy the books are going to draft. That's the kind of place I'm getting to. I'm feeling this. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not just the you know big swings like a Giannis or a Thon. It extends to Brogdon recently. Uh, it extends to Jabari, even though that was you know second overall pick. Like that's that was stood out even back then with Jabari. Um, even like Tobias Harris, I obviously <laughs> his state wasn't that long, but when you hear about like Tobias Harris and you see after after the fact that all his you know charity work and just all that off the court stuff that he does, you know, uh, for community work and all that stuff like that really goes a long way. And I think that obviously probably played an effect to him being selected. Like all this stuff, again, like we can only see last year. Uh, and that still kind of extends into this year, unfortunately for him. But a guy like Rashad Vaughn, who I'm not, we don't know about anything with his character or anything like that. But like you see a guy like him, where time doesn't come so often, and then all of a sudden, due the na- due due to the nature of the season, he's getting more shots at playing time, and he's missing shots, and you can see a rookie wall happening. You can see that he's just struggling, and you can see how that can you know, affect someone's confidence and all that stuff. So to see kind of like the polar opposite, I mean, it's not just the polar. I mean, it's the epitome of a polar opposite of a guy like Thon where, like I said before, you see him be successful on the court. You see him barking out to teammates on sidelines for plays and calling coverages and all that stuff. Like it's just, again, I, it's, it's crazy to see someone at his age when, I could never have done that myself uh, and will never be able to do, frankly. But uh, just to see that, it's just, I don't know, it's it's cool, very cool to see. Yeah, I think it's a somewhat understated um, sort of part of the direction the Bucks are trying to go moving forward. And you just hope that, you know, that sort of influence that they're trying to get in the locker room sort of, you know, um, spills onto the court, you know, long term, these guys. Yeah, like without getting into specifics, we we don't have to, but there's been multiple guys, if you go back to like the middle of the the previous decade and then some more recently where the books have gone for guys that clearly had lots of potential, but it didn't work out for other reasons. So they've been burned by that and John Hammond has been burned by that. So it's not surprising to see an adjustment, but it's something that they're they're actually really reaping the rewards of. And it's the kind of thing you'll never you'll never fully get the real ins and outs of because that's too important to their process and how they're picking some of these guys that other teams are missing. But I would love to know, say, what a books interview is like compared to other teams. I remember around the combine last year, there were comments from a few players of saying that they really enjoyed the books interview. It was a little bit different. Um, it was a lot more about who they were and about themselves and just that kind of process and what it is that they're they're really resting on because we have had this even with Vaughn they they tend to make their decisions just like that it's like they're going through they're assessing all the different guys and it's normally someone comes to work out or they interview someone and that's it like Brogdon is a great example if I remember correctly Brogdon didn't actually work out for the books last year 
and they interviewed Brogdon at the combine. He played in all of the the various exhibition games and did a lot of the, the tests and trials there. And they clearly saw enough. That was it. I, and you'd get that. You'd you probably only have to speak to Malcolm Brogdon once to know right. Well, absolutely. Yep. If he's if he's there, we want him. And I remember even going back to Vaughn. There were elements of everyone saying, well. Did they, was it just, we had the story come out that they got this workout three days before the draft. It's kind of a last minute thing, but they saw him and he's our guy. And we all put it down to, well, what if they draft him just on, they see one red hot workout and that's what they go on. That might be fair. It could be more that when they speak to someone, they go, okay, we got a feel for this guy and he's what we want. Plus there's something there on the court. That's a process we'll never fully know about, but. I think it's really interesting. The books are clearly doing something there. And um, just one more thing on Tom before we, we move on to predictions in the mailbag. I think what doesn't get mentioned in this, and we talk so much about Tom's journey, Tom's journey has him much more prepared for this than a lot of other players. Like if you want to compare Yanis to Tom, their journey isn't the same at all, except for the element of you know, originally coming from a family that has refugee ties, um, element of poverty as a child, and then never really, or I guess making the big move to the States to play basketball. The difference for Tan is Tan obviously grew up for most of his time in Australia with you, Tim. Then he went to Canada. It's not like all of this is new for him. He has been living in these English-speaking Western countries, like these kind of major powers of what we call Western culture. So there's the life adjustment, I feel, probably isn't as severe for Tan as it's made out to be. Plus the general experience of all of that. Like, Why would Tan Maker be daunted by being a rookie on an NBA team when you look at the stuff he's gone through from a child to where his journey brought him to Australia? Then from leaving family, friends to go from one part of the country to another and then to the States briefly, then to Canada. It's like, what part of this is going to daunt him? He has really gone through all the kind of rigors and preparation mentally to prepare you for, you know, life that's mostly on the road where you're displaced one day and, you, you know, you could be with a different team. You could be in a different part of the country the next day. I feel there's an element to that that doesn't get talked about, but where Tom actually has a slight advantage over some other players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that obviously acclimating yourself in that sense. And I think, too, he was, it was not just Canada. He, If I remember correctly, he played in Louisiana. I yeah, think I think he had a year in, in Louisiana as well. Yeah, so he already had, you know, some uh, feeling of staying in the States and all that stuff, so... That stuff, like you said, I, th- I totally agree with you. I think that doesn't really get mentioned. It's all – obviously, we're focusing more on the basketball court and just his experience and all that stuff. But obviously, everything else, that's – I mean, you play a basketball game for two and a half hours. Everything else, in, you know, preparation, all that stuff, like that's the majority of your day, really. And getting through life and just day-to-day work, whether it's, you know, in Milwaukee or on the road, all this stuff, like – like you said, like I think that's pretty. That was already well uh, managed for him at that point, where he was used to it. It's not like a new experience, both on and off the court. He already had 
half of that ready for him. He already knew what that would be. And even for how you know crazy of his journey has already been, going from uh, South Sudan to Australia to the States to – I mean, he's already lived life on the road. I mean, that is uh, a uh, – world traveler he is a world found maker world traveler uh i'll make a movie about that uh but yeah that is yeah uh, yeah sorry i think tying into that as well um Fon's no stranger to hype as well you know right. he, he's one guy who yeah. the, you know the mixtapes and that people have known that he's coming and he's you know he's been preparing for the nba for a long time obviously with his guardian uh, ed smith when he uh, met up with him in perth um so no, that's that's another element that sort of you know you can compare his and Giannis's journey to the NBA, but then there are also those differences like Adam mentioned overall, and you know with you know nobody knew about Giannis, whereas you know people know about eventually like you know, the next Kevin Durant, you know when there was, there was that sort of hype train. So you know despite being you know still a mystery pick, people did know about him, and he was exposed to the limelight at, at a younger age. I think I first saw a Ton Maker mixtape like four years ago. And I don't, I don't follow uh, college basketball to like write what I have to. Never mind, like guys who are going through the high school system and coming up. But that's how, I guess, freakish he was. That it was something that resonated all around the world that long ago. Yeah. So that's an that's another great point. Like the idea of all eyes being on him and people looking to interviews with him wouldn't even be new to Tony. But I've had that everywhere he goes. Plus, there's also the element of, I would guess, some of the circles that his basketball has got him to mix in. He's going to be one of a kind. You're not going to have another 7-1 uh, guy who's like Sudanese, South Sudanese origin with kind of an Australian accent um, in just like an Orangeville prep in Canada. So he's not going to be able to walk around like the local town without everyone automatically having their eyes drawn to him there is a real element of that too you know this isn't you he's i guess in a similar way but a different way to what like jordan ritter con wrote about with jabari ton's life has been gradually working its way up and building to this for quite a while hopefully maybe not look we've got two games this week we don't want to push it but hopefully in a couple of weeks after the All-Star break, we'll be revisiting Ton with more continued signs of promise from him. Um, I mean, the role should be pretty consistent. Let's hope Let's hope we get a starting lineup that we can stick to for some amount of time because it's just so mentally draining. I feel confident, so I'll be wrong, um, but I feel confident that we'll get the same starting lineup against the Pistons because they won. If, if we don't get the same starting lineup <laughs> against the Pistons... <laughs> And Tony Snell will have his head down and toe. Anymore. I don't know what to do anymore if that's mixed up. But then they'll lose to the Pistons. We could have God knows what against the Nets. You know, this is just the way it seems to go. But hopefully, Ton's opportunity stays the same. One last that's... thing on Ton. On, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, um, we saw that Embiid may be injured for the Rising Stars Challenge. I oh. wouldn't be surprised if they picked Ton to replace him or God. and or anybody else on the world team. That is, yeah, he's going to be the guy. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, what other be. international big guy is there that hasn't been, that's doing is things? Is Willie Hernan Gomez on the team? I think he is. Okay. 
Um, I don't know. If... Like obviously, because they're already sending Brogdon, I think you know that sort of they might as well. Yeah. So reach out for Thon there. Hashtag unsnub the snub. There is also the fact Thon is coaching at the what's the camp called? The basketball without borders. Um, at All Star Weekend, he is going to be in New Orleans for basketball with borders for one of the days during that weekend. So that's definitely possible. Huh. I did not. I did not know that. Uh, Hernan Gomez isn't on the roster. Ah, oh, damn it! I just, I still wouldn't say. Uh, I, don't know. I think it's a, it's it's gonna be. I feel like he is. I don't know. I don't have a pecking order. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a little bit cynical here. I think Ton might be more marketable when it gets to you know into the commissioner's hands. That's, that's what I was thinking along the lines. Who's the replacement? Um, don't you say that about Bill Hernan Gomez? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Bill Hernan Gomez, but he may not even be the most marketable Hernan Gomez brother. So, oh, hmm. what you gonna do? So, time to move on. Predictions. Monday, books stay at home. Pistons are the visitors. What's your prediction, Jordan? Ah. Uh... This is hard now. This isn't. This isn't the yeah. way it used to be. Yeah. Mm. Well, I know the Pistons are playing tonight as we record. They're playing they the Toronto Raptors. Badly. Oh well, they have played and they have apparently lost, according to uh, breaking news. Adam, news breaking <laughs> Adam McGee. Um, I better check that section. I feel like they were not up when I saw it. Anyway, um, I don't know. I can't – as much as I can't get a feel from the Bucks, and I'm very up close with the team and all that stuff, the Pistons, Pistons are like – I'm sure they're as frustrating they the to Raptors. watch. They beat the Raptors. They beat the Raptors? 102-101. So. See, okay, there's a microcosm of the Pistons season, thinking that they lost without even knowing <laughs> or watching like maybe 10 minutes of the game. I and saw then, tweets earlier. They were they were the Raptors were on like a twenty five to two run. So I was just like, "How is that?" I think they oh, came back. That's another team too. Raptors. Right there, you go. So I mean, um, it's uh, it's at home or away? Why am I forgetting? At home, at home. It's at home. Oh, hmm. uh, you know what? Let's get, I'm gonna go Bucks. I'm gonna go Bucks by ugh, Bucks by nine. Bucks by nine. Wow. Okay. Tim? If already these predictions weren't hard enough before everything that's happened and then the Bucks got red hot and beat the paces and it's just all I think I'm back to treading water at five hundred. Um I'm I'm updating, I forgot to do that. Uh, so I'm I'm pretending that, you know, I'm being a conscientious okay, host. Where really you're just yeah, you give me your answers, then we'll figure that record thing out in a minute. Uh, I'd probably, uh, oh, this is, I'll, I'll go Pistons by three. I kind of want to go Bucks, but at the same time, are they going to lose to the Nets? And can I really pick the Bucks to win? Well, I didn't pick them to the last one, but can the Bucks really win three <laughs> games in a row running into the All-Star break? Another Without thing, Jabari was... Parker? I mean. Another thing too, that, uh, not to cut you off, but. 
the Bucks are good against uh, Central Division teams. They are seven and three against their own division right now. It's just a pity they have to actually play other divisions. Yeah. <laughs> if it was just focused in on, if it was just like a sixteen game season, you just play your division. I, you know, this this team would be playing for home field advantage, home court advantage. Ugh, home field advantage. Well, I don't even I don't know who decided divisions mean nothing, but I think it should just be the best team in the division gets to the playoffs. Forget everything else. Can all agree on that? I think. Um, <laughs> but how will the Bucks get to the playoffs? They win the division. They're only going to play teams in the division. That's it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they, they, can play, they can play the Bulls um, like eight times a season, ten times a season. <laughs> um, so you're kind of getting this 40-game season where then, I don't know, we'll expand it beyond that, but I'm just trying to take advantage of this nice little thing we seem to have going on. I'll go, I'll go books by four. I mean, the Pistons are bad. They're not good either. They should be better. Um, they probably have less of an excuse built in. They do have less of an excuse built in compared to the books. But they're not great. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do now for the next pick. And luckily, I have some time to think about that because, Jordan, you're up first. Wednesday, on the road, the, in the Barclays Center. Um, I think we're now up to... I know I said this to you the other day, so I might even be short on this. I think the Nets have lost something like oh yeah what did Two I say? Of the last 30 yeah it's something like that <laughs> which is they've, they've won two of the last 30 so yeah oh yeah, yeah. well that would be been... <laughs> yeah that would have been quite the turn of events they would be sort of like doing the heat <laughs> the their, two won. of their last 30 yeah yeah they're currently at a 12 game losing streak <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Brooklyn fans. Anyway, uh, I get this is a last grasp of a pickle sequel. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> you better be- you better believe I will be piping that up, serving that up. It'll be a Vlasic. The game will be a Vlasic that night. Um, yeah, the Nets are bad, as much as as bad as the Bucks have been and could be. The Nets are very bad. So I'm gonna go Bucks by Bucks by thirteen. Yeah, I, I can't see. Well, I'd hope you know that the Bucks can get this done. I'd yeah, Bucks by nine. I really want to pick the Nets. <laughs> get out of here! I can't pick the Bucks. Only pick it's the, the Nets. For a week. It's the Nets. Come on. It's the, it's the books. I know, I know, I played this game too, but it's the, the Lakers scored 47 points on them in the first quarter. Yeah, that's not surprising. Right. They're a very good offensive team and a crappy defensive team. They're... The last time, I think this is the last time the Pelicans are the Nets won, they dropped 143 points on the Pelicans. That was the last time? Yeah, I think so. So why couldn't they do that too? Yeah, I guess they could. They're gonna shoot a three. Oh, you aren't. They shoot a ton of trees. Like they, they aren't. They're bad players, but they're well coached. That's that's yeah. basically the Lakers. Lakers do have more talent, but bad players, well coached, is kind. What's of... What's their record since they cut Yogi Ferrell? Oh, I don't know. 
It's got they probably bad. haven't won. <laughs> well, because they were – I mean, they started off great. Obviously, they lost 28 of their last 30. I almost screwed that up again. But <laughs> I would imagine that probably started around the time that they cut them because they were like what? They were – I don't know. They surprised us, obviously. It was like them and the Bulls that surprised us originally. Teams on losing streaks just scare me when they have to play the Bucks. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Bucks by two, very reluctantly. <laughs> I'm, I, think I'm, I think I'm more playing the game here. If everyone else is going to go Bucks, so I can't afford to <laughs> lose ground on a stupid Nets pick. Um, so the Nets will definitely win. I'm nearly nearly done updating. We didn't quite stall well enough. I had to do some thinking myself. And I'm just I'm amazed by how I have plummeted in the last week. Purely because of I wasn't unrealistic and all these unrealistic people have actually been served okay even though Jabari got injured. So in first place comfortably in first place. Um, this is clear daylight in first place for the first time in a long time. We've got Adam Kaufman. Record of 31 and 22. Ooh. 625 point differential. In second place, we've got Rowan Catty. Actually, no, no, no. I've got to, got to go in order of point difference. We've got a three-way tie for second place. Um, all with records of 29 and 24. We've got Lucas Harkins with a 622-point differential. We have Ty Windish with a 630-point differential. And then Rowan Caddy with a 675-point differential. Then we have me tumbling down um, for not believing in the books, and then it bites you, and then believing in the books, that bites you. Um, I'm at 28 <laughs> and 25, 726 point differential. Ooh. Yeah, actually, something interesting nearly happened there, but only nearly. Um, then just behind me is Tim, 27 and 26. 640 point differential. Also on that same record, Tom Feister, 27, 26, 721 point differential. Then last, letting the whole team down. Saving the best for last. Below 500, Jordan Tresky. <laughs> 26, 27. And I have made a really good run at the worst point differential <laughs> but jordan just hangs on 732 point differential shooters shoot yeah I, and i did a really good job of reading that slowly enough so that i could do the math in my head and update it while i was reading so that all that all went swimmingly you wouldn't have known except for i told you did you break out your abacus or in this case adam kiss adam kiss Oh dear! <laughs> no, it, it was just in my head, Jordan. But thanks for that unfortunate joke. Thank you. Let's move on to the mailbag. 
The first question from at Seamus English. This is a first. I'm hoping next week we can answer questions like this. Maybe Tim is better place than us. The player you would most like to draft for the book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Tim, you actually, you at least watch college basketball. I do. I, I can't say it. I watch a lot of it. But um, I'm definitely not as clued in as I was last year. But um, You're a Butler fan, am I right in saying? Yeah. I'm a Butler man, much did like you, Did uh, you go to Aaron school Butler for a year? I went for six months. Right. But I'm going to claim it from there. But, um, yeah, much like both of you, I haven't looked much into any of the prospects. Oh, actually, I've looked into the Bulls, but other than that. Wow. So um, if we really hit the jackpot, you've got the answer for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking number one. Yeah. But I yeah, I think certainly over the last week, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, attention will turn towards mock drafts and player evaluations. But much like you guys have said for the last couple of ones, um, yeah, it's coming soon. <laughs> I, I feel like before, like, I feel like I'm comfortable to speak about a, you know, player's game or if I, like I know enough about them. I'm just going to make up like prospects that I feel like are would be legitimate basketball players. Like, oh, yeah. James Smith, he's got a good jumper. James yeah. Smith, that's the best you could do. Was James? I just Smith. I'm spitballing here. <laughs> I'm not, I have to think about real people's names instead of just like stock answers. But uh, yeah, I let's go with James Smith. I, I feel like the Bucks would do really well with James Smith. <laughs> I really like um, Donata Zigic. He plays for Shabona Zagreb. He's a, a very skilled center. No, he's not real. He's no one believes that he's not real. Oh, you just James Smith does. Yeah, I did. I was, you have to use your imagination a little bit. Yeah, James Smith. Um, no, as I as I've said, we're gonna we'll get really big into draft content by the end of this month. That has been the plan all along. Um, I used to say, well, I'm sure we'll get people complaining. <laughs> I'm now not so sure we'll get people <laughs> complaining. So that's a win for everyone. You know, we'll be there just when you want it. Um, Every but, week, there's going to be more and more draft questions coming in. Yeah, <laughs> look, that's cool. Um, we did a lot of that last year, and that that worked well for us. So, draft research is starting in the next day or so for me, um, and then it's probably a couple of weeks down the line before you see it on site. As much as anything, because we're going to be pretty busy with, you know, stuff like All Star Weekend and potentially the trade deadline still. And never count out the gambler. Oh, yeah. I will say this, though, before we go any further. I have said enough about Lonzo Ball. <laughs> the chipmunk, that... That's all you're ever going to That's all... Yeah, I can't top it. I got to... Costanza, get out. You know, clap my hands, get out. That's that's all I have on Lonzo Ball, and I, that's all I will have. That might be problematic, Ball. Jordan. I feel like we might have need to talk about No, that. no, 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 no. It's... It's, we're going to have to work around it, Adam. Okay. That's not no, way more. Don't worry about that if you're like, oh, I like Lance Ball. I'd like to hear Jordan talking. Jordan makes resolutions on the podcast and forgets them all the time. Give him three or four weeks, yeah. he'd be talking about them again. Just like, oh, I'm not talking about Greg Monroe trades. All of a sudden, he talks about them. New Year's resolutions are made to be broken. 
a wise man once said that, Mahatma Gandhi. From at Starpunk83, with your barry out for the season, does it force the books to make a move for another score? No. I've seen a lot of uh, stuff, especially with uh, today's events, people are ready for a trade. And even just the fact that the Bucks have five centers, like yeah. they look like they're hoarding centers for the taking. Um, I don't really think it's going to be a center crisis. That's the, the books. It's like basically the books <laughs> have invested in water, right? The books yeah. are like, um, I can't remember what the name of the real guy is. The books are Christian Bale at the end of the big short. And, oh yeah. You know, water is where it's at. It was no, James Smith. Know. That's who it was. It was not James Smith. John Hammond is there. He's gone. We've got all the water. He's maniacally laughing to himself. And when other people need water, they're going to come calling. That's the books with centers right now. I'm hoping this trade that I made a joke about this earlier, but I'm hoping this trade deadline entirely consists of NBA teams trading centers after for centers. Just swapping. <laughs> no. The Bucks. That the would be amazing. Gonna, the Bucks are going to trade two the centers and get the three back. With, which was going to happen. Plumley for Hibbert and Haas. I think you're only allowed to trade Plumleys and Zellers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Tyler, watch out. Cody, watch out. Luke, wherever you are. I think Luke would love to watch out. I mean, Luke is probably very excited <laughs> at the prospect of watching out. The answer to this question is really that the books have already made the move for another score. They did it when Middleton got injured and they got Beasley. So it yeah. literally doesn't change. It's just your Barry's not there now, so they've got Beasley. So that's it. I mean, Michael Beasley is the savior, people. That's that's what you're in for for a few months, potentially a year, if they bring him back. So I mean, so far it's been it's been fun. It's been fun. I still don't like him starting. I would much prefer if Mirza was the starter and Beasley on the bench. But look, can't complain with the results right now. I have unfortunate news. Luke Zeller has retired. Really? Yeah. Don't do that. I Last thought it was gonna. I thought Yanis had done something or no, no, no. no. It's not too weak to say that. Luke Zeller's twenty nine. Did he have injuries or did he just He's, give up? I've, the last team he played for was the Austin Toros, which are now the Austin Spurs. He gave up. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. By the way, you know Tyler Zeller's already 27? Yeah, well, that seems about right. It's like Miles Plumley's 20. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're like, it's like a Plumley effect. It's... They're older than <laughs> what they should be. They're all the same. They're all the same. Plumley's and Zeller's all the same. That's true. The next one. From at Zach underscore Stratton 29. How much longer do you see Ton Maker in the starting lineup? Oh, uh, like How Adam long said piece before. Of string, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> like Adam said before, uh, we were definitely in spin that wheel mode with Jason Kidd looking for anything to get something going. Uh, I would like to see him in the starting lineup for the rest of the season. Use him like he is. He's gonna have foul trouble anyway, so. Might as well, I don't know. It's going to be in 10 to 15 minute increments. Um, but hoping that is different than expecting that. So, uh, 
Let's go with next. Let's go with uh, after the All-Star break against the Jazz. It'll be changed. Yeah, I agree. I want to see him start pretty much for the rest of the season. But probably more importantly, I don't want to see him start but then not play, you know, starters minutes. I want to see him get the you know, John Hansen than... treatment. Exactly. About. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, you I, want to see him play decent minutes because you've got nothing to lose by, you know, playing him. Yeah. Now I will say we don't want to see him play. We don't want to see him play like uh, 42, 44 minutes. Oh, I've got. You. We've always, we've always got to be careful on this. Um, there is a point, <laughs> Jason Kidd. Yeah, there is a point, Jason Kidd, where when you give guys the Jared Bayless game, where you do risk run the risk of losing something um particularly their health so that's a uh, lots of minutes but within reason if you're listening jason kidd um which come on i'm sure he listens <laughs> how, how could he that not listen? The, the strangest thing said on this podcast when jason kidd is listening and we're very sorry for all the jokes that we made <laughs> Um, I, I would say that I think he will be there most of the season as much as there may be a game here or there where where number one listener um, does his own thing and just messes up the team. But aside from that, I don't want to see him at power forward. I hate it. He's going to be a centre long term. I really... We're talking about how good his shooting is already looking. There's no novelty to a stretch forward. Teams are like well-prepared well used to the dangers of stretch four compose where you can really kind of mess things up for your opponent's game plan is put Tom Aker at the five and all of a sudden make centers go out and try to close them. I think sure you can have a concern over his body. I think Tom's stronger than he looks. I think a lot of his a lot of his problems in terms of rebounding or defensive stuff in around the rim, they're more about him learning still rather than just basic strength so play him at center i mean i don't know what you have to lose there really well there's like different kinds of strength you know i mean the the, the sounds i think he has no there is i think he has i think he has good core strength you already see tom like for a guy who's so thin i think the big concern was you know a bigger guy would come barreling into him and tom is just going to be like thrown off the ball He's going to be thrown completely away from the play. That doesn't happen. Yeah. If, that, I mean, if you, if you look plans. at a guy like Henson, yeah. he's easily pushed around. Thon is not that way, which is kind of weird to what we long talked about and what many people talk about when he was on his way to the NBA and stuff like that. I, I think it's worth noting as well because this is going to come up and people, this will be muscle watch time next offseason. <laughs> muscle fan. He is never going to look like Giannis looks. Like there's, there's genetic reasons for that. For anyone who hasn't already done this or didn't look into it around the time he was drafted when there was more stuff around it. Um, Tom comes from a, an African tribe of people called the Dinka people. And even if you kind of just do some very surface level reading on like the characteristics of the Dinka people, their average height is like six foot six. This is the reason why he is as he is. Um, and they're rail thin. And 
they are some of the strongest kind of one of the strongest tribes in Africa in spite of the fact that they're incredibly light so you can already see that when you look at him he looks really strong now I just don't think it's going to get to a place in a traditional sense that we're used to where it's like he puts on bulk Ton could be really strong and he won't necessarily look bulky if that makes sense yeah Yeah, I don't think we're going to see some sort of like Joel Embiid transformation you know when you see that side by side shot of him at basketball without borders and then at the rookie photo shoot where he just looks like a completely different person he's put on so much bulk yeah and it's even like that comes down to guys like Embiid and Yanis you can see in how broad their shoulders were to begin with it's like they have a wide base to fill out into Ton is really narrow like he doesn't have big wide shoulders that's that's his genetic makeup so he can only really fill out into what his body is he's not going to He's not going to bulk up in a traditional sense. So I think that's going to be something we're going to probably listen to for years where people around the league, other teams, other fans will be like, oh, you know, he's not that strong. And we'll be like, well, actually he is. Or you'll have Bucks fans concerned. Look how thin Ton is still when really it's just going to be who he is as a person. It's going to be literally what's inside him. It's going to be his genes and it's, not necessarily going to look like what we're used to strength looking like in the NBA, but it doesn't mean he's not actually working on that building it. From at North Shore Hawks. Should the Bucks value a point guard or a center more in this draft or in free agency? Uh, well, there's different factors because obviously you have uh hibbert even though we have you have hibbert's gonna be a free agent monroe's most likely gonna be a free agent spencer hawes who knows how that goes maybe declines his player option he honestly might hope so uh, yeah uh, i mean if he's Henson, not gonna play we don't want him opting in to come back yeah um henson who knows that if he stay out uh, this is more just gut feeling than anything concrete at this point, but who knows what happens with him. Obviously, Thon is still as promising as he's been. You're not going to expect him to be a starter, like a actual starter starter, not like the J-O-B starts or 15-minute starts, whatever you want to call it. Um, so you have that, but also you still – the Bucks still only have two point guards on the roster. And Malcolm Brogdon, as good as he's been, I'm not. This is not any knock on him. Um, Long term, he is going to be a, a point guard, but this is still something new for him. This is new for his role, even though he, you know, played as a playmaker, or initiator, whatever you want to call it, in Virginia. There's still need for the Bucks to have some depth with point guard, and some, I mean, not just depth, really, just something different from. Fact that Delhi and Brogdon are very similar players, if that makes sense. They're not athletically like a dynamic point guard. They're very, you know, calm, collective, poised uh, playmakers. They're not like a, uh, I don't know, I'm just again, they're not, they're not on the top tier of athleticism or anything like that. Even though you know, obviously Malcolm can throw down a brog hammer, but um, uh. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to watch for for a lot of reasons. And you, 
Yeah, I, uh, I was going to go into something else, but I feel like it's too fresh. But just you never know what Jabari. That's another thing you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind, as depressing as that sounds. Well, what? Like, well, what are we getting at here? Cause spit it out, Jordan. I'm not getting. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I think there's a question in a couple of minutes that's going to make you anyways. You might as well do it now. No, 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 no. I'll wait till the question. Wait <sighs> till the question. He's going he's gonna to sit on it. No, I think, um, obviously, it could all depend on what Greg Munro does because, obviously, you would assume that Hibbert and Hawes are gone yeah. and then that leaves you with Henson, Don and Munro. Hopefully, I'm not missing anybody. And then, obviously, that depends on what Munro does. But, like Jordan said, I think they're going to look for a guard and considering the way the Bucks are trending and I don't know a lot, like I said before, about... Uh, personnel per se, but I know that it is, or it's supposedly a stronger guard class. So obviously if the Bucks could cash in on that, that would be ideal. moment in the Draft Express top 10. Obviously, I think Bucks are going to be looking at sort of mid-lottery the way they're going at the moment, and I think that's really? the way we're all expecting it to go. Mid-lottery? Like mid-lottery is in... Ah. Okay, mid-lottery, seven, yeah, okay. So 7, yeah. 8-ish, yeah, okay. Yeah, sort of like a similar situation to last year. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I I said that they're actually they're in much better position. Like I don't, I would be shocked if they pick as low as they did last year. And that's what as we consider. They don't play the Sixers late in April, right? Yeah, or if they don't end up in a three-way tie and lose the drawing for this, which is like so books really. I mean, yeah, but we got Thon. Look at what they, they got. They could have traded back and got Todd. Yeah, and but got... Kings traded Marquise Chris Raptors. Got Jakob Pertle, the yak. That guy's, you know, he's barely playing. I just he got very, like, tonight. Chicago. <laughs> he started tonight. I know, but let's be honest. What was well, with that Chicago thing? What was that about? I don't know. I, was, I felt like it would be very necessary to go into. I don't know why. Anyway, it's not like we're, you know, chances are they probably would have taken thought at eight. It's not like that. Yeah, that, that, was, a very, that was a very... Yeah, again, a very books thing to happen. It's just so we just take them. Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, I think I think it should be point guard, but I've been saying this as long as I've been at the site and as long as I've been following book stuff, and they just don't do it. So I don't know if there's any benefit to me falling in love with a point guard this year only for them not to take any point guard again. It's a kind of weird one. The center thing does depend on Monroe, but realistically, they are going to need a center. Well, maybe not. If Henson's still there, you've got Ton and Monroe. Like, if they, if I feel like without knowing anything about what, how both, you know, the Bucks feel about him or how Monroe feels about them. No sources. If the Bucks take it. No sources. Yeah, I don't have any sources. I don't have any intel. Uh, we don't need any fake you know, NBA accounts tweeting this out as yeah elton brand's not gonna talk to me like you know see you later why would he talk to me anyway uh even though monroe does like the calatrava i'm gonna bring that back up um i feel like if the bucks do draft a center that kind of says everything about what they think of monroe or chances of reciting him I mean, also, why do they dra- why drafting a center? Then what? What is Tom? What was the point of that? Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you're hoping long term. Yeah, that is very true. So, 
Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. I Honestly, I don't know what they do. I'd be looking at point guards. Obviously, you're going to have to address center in some way. The the real answer is, I guess, both. I just I wouldn't draft a center because you've got your young center who you hope becomes something more. Um, the next one from Andrew RVH. Do you think Tom will end up averaging more than six points per game at the end of the season? I believe he's at three point four right now. Three point four to six point what? Six points per game? Yeah. So basically, he just has to make two threes for the rest. Well, no, he's got to make more than that. He's got to make a bit more, yeah. Well, from here on out, he's going to make at least two threes. Uh, I don't, I'm not a math man. Um, I'm a madman. I'm not a math man. Um, uh, no, no. Really? I, I think he could get there. I think it's a, that's a, yeah, I set think, the over under. I think How many? that's a good number. I think that's, you've got the, the case for either side, but I think he got close. How many games does he have more than 10 points? Like three? Yeah, but I mean, how many games does he play long enough to have more than 10 points? That could be he's the problem playing... here, that he plays like it's per game and he's played a yeah. couple of games where, you know, it's literally seconds a... on the floor. Yeah, that's his averages are ruined because of games where, and I mean, let's be honest, he's done his best where he's had a few games where he's like, oh, for 90 seconds and it's a couple of trees. <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah. That, that first Pacers game. He's had two double-digit scoring games. Pretty impressive for 188 minutes. Yeah. Not even Al Pacino could do that. That's actually yeah. 88 minutes, but... He had a game where he played two seconds. <laughs> yep, two seconds. Why was he, why was he here for two? Wait, was that the... I think... I think the Wizards. The, uh, yeah. the inbound pass, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Because he has a minus yep. two. That would make sense. Two seconds. That's... He's also got a 32 seconds, which he managed to miss a field goal attempt and grab a rebound, an offensive rebound in. Um, I don't know if he get his own miss or get the rebound and then miss the putback. That wouldn't be great. But yeah, um, I I think he could get the six. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the seven, but I think that number of six is kind of right around where he'd expect it to be if he does get consistent opportunity. The next one from at Miro Stage 12. With Jabari's latest injury, what does the franchise totem pole look like? Yanis is one. Then whose numbers two through five? Jabari versus Maker? Question mark. Uh, Spit it out, Jordan. Total. Wait. Okay, we have to define this criteria. <laughs> I mean, you've been given two through five. So if Giannis is one, yeah, but we're we're talking about long term future, like yeah. Well, I mean, if you're of... if you're gonna put them two through five, yeah, this is yeah long term. Well, no, because there's two different ways I you can look at it. Where value to the team long term, or how they top out, like what kind of player they top out to be. I guess it's intertwined. The basically, yeah, who's more valuable that isn't gonna pan out. Yeah, I'm just making this more difficult for my yeah, enjoyment. Being Jordan about it. Yeah, two through five. Uh, well, I'll go Middleton for two. Um, 
You know, I'm going to go two first. That's Middleton. Five. <laughs> five. I'm just letting the audience know. Five. Brogdon. Years off. No. Oh, my off. God. Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, no, it's Bragdon. Um, I feel like Tom Lorenis could be number three here. Yeah. It's in play. It's in play. Steve Novak. I, I'm not bad. <laughs> I won't stoop that low. Um, four and three. I really hate to do this. Uh, I got to go Thon three, Jabari four. Oh, my God. Because it's it's – I it's I don't know I was this is inside this is has nothing to do with uh, his injury or <laughs> any changes or like that but from the time since we've done like the emergency podcast like my hopes have have deflated and plus two like they talked about they talked to Michael Red that's not insur- like very reassuring Michael Red was was once again I mean I know but it's still like age. it is very it's not. Just, it, it's really annoying me at this stage, honestly. I've, I found this particular aspect of Twitter just... It's like, let's all play Amateur Doctor and his career is over. The odds aren't good, right? I mean, that's very... That's clear as day. I just... He is number two. He's Jabari Parker until he comes back and he's no longer Jabari Parker. It's like, you don't just completely Chris Middleton as... I know this is the second time it's an ACL. I get that. But he's Jabari Parker until you see him not do that. Maybe he is the biggest athletic freak basketball has ever seen and he can come back from this. It's unlikely, but he came back better the first time. It wasn't like, once again, I said this on the emergency podcast, this wasn't like just a couple of months down the line, this reoccurrence of the injury. This was way down the line, and it happened. And sure, I'm guessing it doesn't help. There's a weakness there. It increases the likelihood. I, what was it? Uh, Paschke came out with the stat. I think you're 40%. Uh, there's a 40% likelihood that you'll tear your ACL for a second time if you're torn it once. So, yeah, that's yeah. okay. That absolutely factors into it. But... It was the exact same kind of incident, as we said, as when he did it the first time. Like, I just... Jabari Parker is Jabari Parker until we're proven otherwise. And I can't I can't see the point in viewing it any other way. It's really... You're, you can't pin everything on him. But to suddenly say, like, Ton Maker is ahead of Jabari Parker, I mean, that's getting insanely carried away with what this is. Or it's being just completely bottom out beyond pessimism like there's got to be we're talking about a guy we just had a conversation will ton maker get to six points per game by the end of the season and we're <laughs> gonna put him ahead of jabari parker in the long time standings come on i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my mind that this is what the next year is gonna be like well we're all here sitting you know or we're all here sitting oh yeah that, that's how you say it I, I don't know why i question myself we're all here sitting playing at amateur doctor when there's only one doctor on the bucks right now. That's Dr. Hibbert. I had to get that in there. Tim, do I have to, do I have to get angry at you? I've got my anger out in Jordan, so it's safe to, well, I this, feel, I feel you've got a bias built in as well. I'll understand more if you want to put Tom a little bit higher. Up <laughs> 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 nah, like, 
I don't think I'm as vocal about being as torn as Jordan is, but you know, it does tear me because they're legitimate concerns about Jabari. And you know, as much as we need to stay positive about it, you know, you can't ignore it completely. Um, obviously, Giannis is number one. Uh, for me, I'd probably still have Jabari as number two. I said that I might be more biased towards Ston, but you know, I still, I don't want to get carried away, like you said. So I've still got Middleton as three, Thon as four, and then Brogdon as five. It's exactly my list. Next week, I'm winning six. Is going to be just me and Tim. Just, just me and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> I feel Jordan's Jordan's got a piece in the works, people, that I'm now really worried about. He's given himself ten days nearly to work on this piece, and I I haven't looked yet, but I feel like it could be the title is a big the four horsemen of the apocalypse just riding in <laughs> to the Bradley Center is what this piece is going to be the equivalent of, judging by that Jordan take. I I don't know, Jordan. I don't know where to go on that one. It's uh, it's, a, it's a fluid thought process but it i uh, it's deflating again it's all i could say is find me the guys with the i've seen this again in other articles like we touched on it just to basically say this is a knee injury but it's not the same so if we can just get that out of the way like this is emergency podcast we'll say it now so we don't have to have it again comparing derrick rose to jabari parker is it's the dumbest thing ever yeah, it's there are two Chicago guys that happen. They, they both went to Simeon and they both yeah. wore an ACL. Yeah. Then Rose had two injuries and two meniscus tears, different injury to Jabari's, and he had them at different age. So let's that's not relevant. I feel the same way about going down like Michael Red, Josh Howard, Baron Davis, Davis Burton's, Danny Manning. I feel Davis Burton's is the most relevant one that we've actually found. Yeah. Davy Bird hands. But do you know, like I, I tweeted that out for the account at the time. I think I tweeted out my own account as well. That's the only guy that I've seen in the NBA right now playing professional basketball for years. Torres ACL twice and he's back doing things. I, I had some people say, you know, he's not that athletic. He's not, but he's actually more athletic than I think people realize. He can throw down a hammer. He can. He can throw down a and he moves hammer. very well. Like, He's kind of the way he plays a lot of his game. Like he's a he's a spot up shooter is what he's I yeah. guess most associated with now. That's a terrible role if you have bad knees, where he's yeah. gonna be like running at pace around screens, trying to stop at a moment's notice to pull up and shoot. So right now he's doing a really good job of that in spite of it. That's a twenty-four year old, it's the closest I've seen in age who's actually playing at this level. So that's giving me some cause for hope. Different guys, and I think it was it was mentioned on the broadcast, and that was interesting, and it, it might be true. Jabari, it's probably a good job we've seen more efficient three-point shooting, mid-range shooting from Jabari, because that could well have to be more of an element of his game. Sure, you can maybe still get the explosive dunks every now and then, but it is the bully ball stuff where you're really throwing yourself into contact, although that isn't where the injuries have happened that's the kind of thing where his confidence is going to be really shook on. So he may have to adjust, but I don't think that's necessarily beyond him. Jabari could be a completely different guy. I still think he's got the skill and he's got the intelligence to be the second most important guy. If he becomes, he's only a 
a 15 point per game score for the rest of his career, but he play makes a lot more. He's maybe works more in his rebounding. He improves as a defender. That's a different, that's like a role player, Jabari. But that might be all this team needs. Then maybe Tom does eventually get past that. But right now to say like, from what we know, okay, we know what's wrong with Jabari in terms of his knee, but we also have a real idea of what he can do. So I can understand being down on, well, will he do that to the same level? But he's going to come back. This is the thing all along. He is going to come back. So until he comes back and we're like, okay, we've seen six months of Jabari and, you know, maybe we should wave him and bring Johnny O'Brien in. Until we get to that stage, I'm not ready to <laughs> get into ridiculous, like, oh, well, you know, they've got a plan without Jabari. They've got a plan with Jabari. This is the chance. This is they this is it. If it doesn't work out for them, it's because of injury to Jabari, it's because of other things. That's how it was. But they can't really kind of uproot what the plan was based on this. And at least publicly, they're not doing that. And I honestly don't expect them to. I just think everyone needs to chill out. Is it good? It is definitely not good. Is Jabari 100 percent finished? Never going to be valuable to this team again. I mean, he could still not be as good as we were expecting him to be, as he was showing to be, and still be the second best player on this team and on a championship team if Giannis is what Giannis seems to be. So, yeah, that's for you, Jordan. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, we'll let you back on next week. From <laughs> Alex underscore Koenig 023. Is this going to be the Yanis show for the rest of the year? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. The Yanis show with very regular cameos from <laughs> Bees and Telly. <laughs> with special guest appearances, by yeah. That's that is how <laughs> the book season is gonna go. I like uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of good stuff about the win over the Pacers. Um not to rain on that, but I feel the only reason why there was a lot of good stuff that came was Talevich made his shots. I think if Talevich believe it, baby. If he doesn't make his shots, they lose that game, they lose it badly again. It's the only difference is you know, he made his shots then the floor completely opened up, other guys start making more shots. If that's like the nice he's had recently, misses them, the books lose. Particularly in the moments where it started to get a little closer, they were crumbled. They hit 17. They made 17 three-pointers. They shot above 50% from three. They shot, they shot more than 23. Like, they – they. I know we talked about three-point shooting, like, really early on. 17 to 31, was, right, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. But we, we were talking about, like, three-point shooting, like, early on just because that was such a radical change to last year. But then they, they – there's, like, these weird, like, peaks and valleys where they'll have games like that. Uh, you know, 17 or 31, and then they'll have other games where it's like four of 13. Yeah. And it, I, we probably have said this before, but it's directly tied to Mirza Toledovic just because he is such a volume three point shooter. And even though there are nights where he does have the 0 for 7 night against, I think that was against like the first game of the season, he'll have one for five like he had against the Lakers. But there'll be nights like last night where it's five for nine, they'll be. The Wizards game where he's like something ridiculous that night too. Like that's just how he is. When it, he has it going, it's like lava it just keeps coming out. He's a volcano. He's Mount Mount, uh, Mount Mirza. There we go. 
Um, oh, that's, I quite like that, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, yes. And this is all for me to say. I never wavered, and you shouldn't have two people. You say that as if most people have actually come back, which they haven't. I know. Well, that's, but I, you're well. Of players I'm accepting people to come back to the, to the to the Mount Mirza, I guess we'll call it like Mount Mirza. It's a resort. Uh, this is yeah. your waiter's island. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is my waiter's island. Mount Mirza is uh, welcome for everybody to come back to. We have welcome for, <laughs> for everyone to come back to if you <laughs> like the idea of living on the side of an active volcano. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes dormant. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Sometimes it's dormant, but when it's going, you guys, you guys have to run for your lives. So yeah, if you want to join Jordan, just send a tweet out with the hashtag hashtag Mount Mirza. Yes. That means Jordan's people will get in touch with you from there. You may have to work on that hashtag. I can assure you, Jordan has people now. No, all of the emails come through me. So keep posted. I tweeted about this during the week. We may have to hire, we may have to hire an assistant just to deal with Jordan Tresky fan mail. This is, no. Uh, again, from at Alex underscore Koenig zero to three. If the books get an offer for Henson without having to give up a pick, do you think they try and move him? Uh, I mean, you're Mister. I've got a feeling. I've got a good feeling that hence is going to be moved. Yeah, you're predicting this, a, an earth. I've got this right? feeling. It's in my bones. It's electric. Something. 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 Um. Uh. What do I? How I feel about a Henson trade is far different from what they would. They would feel. Um. I'm going to go no. I'm just going to say no. I think unlike sort of the Plumley situation where they would they'd just rather get rid of the contract and get nothing back in return, I think they're still, um, you know, reaching here, presuming. But I'd say that <laughs> you're looking to get something in return for Henson. Um, and also, again, it hangs on Munro. Uh, if, if they trade Henson and then Munro opts out, sort of left with Don after starting with all three guys. To begin the season, there's suddenly no one, and, and that becomes an issue. Yeah, I think Henson, if he is traded, I don't even think it would be a... Ursam was before the date that I think... You know, it could be later. It could be once we're kind of true free agency, and we know what Monroe's future is. I did, like, it would be crazy for them to trade Henson, and then they could have Monroe opt out, Hawes opt out, Hibbert's a free agent... And then you've you've literally you're going to somewhere with Ton Maker as your only center on the roster. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to do that. Um, there's no way you give up a pick with Henson to trade him. Like, there's no reason to. People might be frustrated by Henson. People are frustrated by Henson. That's like a constant. They traded Miles Polly without giving him. Up a pick. <laughs> Why would they give a pick for Henson, <laughs> whose deal is good? Yeah. So yeah. they're looking for something back. If anything, like, I mean, they might want to pick a second rounder or something to take. I think they take something not great as a player. And once the contract wasn't lengthy, 
for a second round with a second round pick for Henson. Maybe they, if they were to move him, that's the kind of deal they look at. But no, not with a pick just to get rid of him. There's no need to do that. From a Jinson Grobing, which is probably not how that's pronounced, but there you go. Um, what was your takeaway from Tom's start against the Pacers? So I guess this is specifically him at center. Where do you guys weigh in on this thing that I'm very passionate about that isn't how people rank Jabari Parker, this Tom Maker to center versus Tom Maker to power forward? Um, yeah, I think I know you you talked to me about it Friday when the starting lineup came out and you didn't like it. I was like, ah, he's playing. Like, I didn't really think about it. And then when you see that game and then you see Pacers game, and not just Pacers game, you see him, like, again, in, like, the Jazz game or when he has made uh, or been on the floor, he's primarily played center, I want to say. That sounds right. Um, it just – it there's something different about it. And like Adam said, like the fact that he's a three point shooter or stretch five, whatever you want to call it, like that's far different than a stretch four, which has become commonplace in the NBA. That's not a, this radical new thing, pace and space era kind of thing. Like that is kind of solidified as being how lineups should be in the, in today's uh, NBA. So seeing, him play as well as he did Pacer, against the Pacers or even a game like the Jazz, like at this point you should have him play center. That's, as Adam said, that's the position that he's going to play. That's where the Bucks envision him, judging by playing him in, at center. So play him there. That's simple as that. Yeah, I'm just happy that he's getting minutes, but obviously I think we'd all rather prefer him play at centre because, like Jordan said, long-term, that, that's where, you know, he's the stretch five. That That's what you think. Um, I, I, it's probably too early to tell, well, certainly for me, whether it's, you know, I'm completely against him playing a bit of the four, but certainly primarily I think he needs to be playing centre. I think we talked about this way back. I think it was Jordan's thing preseason that he was intrigued by, if we see some of it. If you're going to play him at the four, I'd like to see him beside Monroe. I oh, think... I thought you were going to go the other way. The My my air, my air Speaking of EAA, my experimental aircraft uh, association, uh, the telethon. Phone lines are open. You saw it. Oh, yeah. I like, I came well, yeah. I don't know if that's. This is one idea. of the better hashtags. Yeah. Thank that is, you. That is, there we go. That is a great there hashtag. That is. I look, I mean, I think that's too subtle for people. It, it might take, like, if people don't get Jack Bauer, I think. They shouldn't. They, they should not get Jack Teleton Bauer. Peloton is very finely crafted. Way yeah. too much by your standards. I don't know if people are going to get you. it. I can go one way. I, I'm like, hey, again, like I said, I'm versatile. I can hit up shots, you know, from the above the break, a couple steps before. The other times I can hammer it home like a slam dunk. Yeah, but the problem is our captive audience are used to my brand of all caps, very obvious puns. Telethon is, Telethon is very neat and layered. Yes. It's not exactly like a bat out of snail. <laughs> <laughs> or from the depths of Snell. From the depths of Snell is a great one, yeah. yeah. 
Stellar's Market, is that a good one? Do you like that no, one? No. The buyers or, or sellers smell? No, I do. I, I do have one it. for four. I just didn't happen to be on the account for uh, the... He did a four the other night, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, And I missed one. I was tweeting for my own account, but I missed one because I was busy trying to get my Tom Sharer Photoshop together before he made another <laughs> one. And he did it anyway. So then I was like, oh, this is just, it's all gone wrong. Um, but that's now that's now in the bank for you know for future for future reference the sheriff could come and lay down the law when that applies yeah um i'm all i'm all in center i i like the idea i think him and moose could be fun because if you are worried about his strength or his rebounding or whatever put him with the one kind of big bruising center the books have and maybe his shot blocking would have helped Monroe. And if we're talking old Monroe, uh, new Monroe, he does whatever he wants. But yeah, next one from at David on 21. Does it feel like we're cheating on Jabari with Tom? I think Jordan should answer oh. this first. <laughs> I don't know what I'm it. Yes, it's yeah. Jordan, you're not cheating on Jabari. You've left Jabari. You've I've not let no no. no. You got the true. first train out of town and you're now shacked up in Tom Town. Um <laughs> That's no Mount Mirza. Um uh, That's after you escaped Mount Mirza that you have to <laughs> it's the nearest was, village where you have to go for safety when Mirza erupts. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is a very interesting question. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. I know that sounded very uh, sarcastic, but it is because it is like this out with the old, in with the new type thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, that sounds very It cool is for some say. people, yeah. It, that is what it is. Um, and I may have said something like that, but I, I not, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's again. Jordan's it, answer it feels, is yes. I feel like Jordan's answer is yes. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling to own it, but it just, it, there's something, it feels, and this might come in to the piece I'm working on, which is oh, the title is a banger. It's a great name. I will say this piece still has to get through me and the editor. Yeah, I haven't written anything other than the title, but it's a good title. It's a damn good title. Um, I don't know. I just this injury feels so much different to me. I can't quite put it like the right way, but from the his rookie season or seeing that injury in his rookie season to now, I don't know. There's just maybe it's just the external factors of like where the Bucks are now, and just everything feels real with the timeline where they want to be and all that stuff but just something about it i don't know i, I don't know what how i'm thinking about it but anyway yeah i think i will i to answer the question yes and i will own up to it that i may have already done that no i don't well evident from our uh answer a couple of questions ago i don't i don't think we're necessarily cheating on jabari with thon um you know th ideally these two guys play together in the future on a great team. But, you know, I think Thon was always going to get his opportunity and he was already starting to get his opportunity anyway with Jabari there. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, th I think we'll... 
we're not going to stop loving Jabari just because he's not playing. I think some he's of us going to become more loved because yeah. Um, ah, well, yeah. I, I, the Sharon name. Uh, yeah, the the others shall yeah. remain nameless, but they don't need to be named. I mean, everyone knows who they are. They, name names. They know who they are. Most importantly, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. I mean, this is. I don't. I can't say. Does it feel like we? Because I think the collective we. Well, this is a thing. It's just like this desperation to just one pretend what happened didn't happen. Two to move on to the next thing. So we're you know that all of this hasn't gone to waste. As if like, as if worst case scenario, just having Yanis would be the end of the world anyway. Um, but yeah, I think collectively people go this way. I just don't see it. They're different pieces they do different things they're always supposed to um like i can't just compare them it's you're asking me to compare apples and oranges here that's really and i mean we've we yeah, we, we, compare, are, we compare we compare apples to apples than the best oranges you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, but, about. the granny smiths yeah we're, i know we did this a couple of weeks ago we're in the business of comparing apples to apples though right i'm not yeah. i'm not doing this if we want to compare oranges we compare oranges but, and that's a damn good board game too. I mean, that's you can't forget about that. That's why I'm going back in the Chicago uh, character. I, and like you said, though, like Tim said, sorry to interrupt again, but like Tim said, they aren't replaced. If you if it, if you want to go by, you know, replacement by replacement, it's technically like Beans or Mirza, and. By golly, I know those places very well where people are very polarized on both. That I am included in that, except for the beers apart, more of the bees. Yeah, I, I just think they're different. I'm equally excited for what Bo can bring. I mean, if Jabari could bring nothing in the end, well, that's that's what he brings. But I've just, I don't, I don't see what the benefit of giving up on that now is. Are sort of just relegating Jabari to below ton blows my mind right now. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm not in this. I'm very much Jabari is still the number two guy. If we talk about what the books are, they are Yanis, Jabari, and Middleton, just as they have been for as little floor times those guys have been seen together. <laughs> just as we've always talked about, the books' future will go as Yanis, Jabari, and Middleton goes. And then right now you've got a second tier behind that, which is Brogdon and Tom. And that's great because as is evidenced by the fact they were picked last year, a year ago we didn't have a second tier of guys who oh, could God. become first tier guys or even if they are just that level behind them that you have some real talent that could be around long term to, to kind of supplement the rest of what you're doing. So that's where I am right now. Tier one, Yanis, Jabari, Middleton. Tier two, Tom Brogdon. They're both rookies. Are they going to get better? Could they get better? Could... I said this last week. Tom might be the best player on the books. That sounds completely insane. Yanis is like, unlike anything we've ever seen before. But if we're playing the projection game, the same game where Jabari's never going to be the same and what's... like, Tom could be the greatest player ever. We literally don't know any of this right now. There is an element of it where, okay, we've got to trust what we see, what we see as the work in progress, and then let the rest of it play out. You can't kind of go, okay, so we've got this on the one hand, and we've got this on the other hand, and, oh, no, the world is burning, or, you know, we're we're on our way to the moon. It's not, it's just not like that. There's 
there's so much just extremes and all of this where right it's been an extreme few days i get that but as always an element of calm i never felt like i'd be the person in any community who'd be like you know what we just need to we need to take a moment here but i think that's what's happening imagine doing tears for last year's team oh my god you had tier one and then you had the next tier and that was it they were all no, like, there wouldn't be even a tier two. There would be tier. Yeah, but be whatever it was. Left. I think that was a big space in between the tiers. Yeah, it'd be tier one and then tier two, blank, tier three, tier four, whatever you want to fill it. Like, there wouldn't be a tier two, really. I guess maybe Monroe, but that's about it. I think last year the tiers were more rolling down our faces. Oh. <laughs> From a Vanilla Seven Gorilla. Is there any substance to the Rubio rumors this year? Been hearing them for a while now. No. No. I feel um, like Rubio is one of those guys that is in... It's going to happen forever. Eternally in trade rumors. He's like Brooke Lopez. He's always going to be traded and then just nothing happens. Yes. yes. I just, like, this was this was a real thing last year. I'm, I don't know. Once again, I never go into the specifics on this, and the people who listen and are well in on the books thing don't need me to. Um, but there was people reporting this last year, real people. And then there are reports this year. I mean, if it becomes something bigger and we hear, like, you know, real people saying it, okay. But I, I think it was born out of something. It's kind of just a continuation, it's a retread, it's still going where it doesn't make sense now because when they might have actually considered that they needed a point guard, as much as people could complain about the point guard situation or still want one, they signed Delhi. they have him for three years, they also found Brogdon and they have the contributions he's given. Why do they want Ricky Rubio who... I love I love Rubio the playmaker, but look, we don't need to go down me talking about Rubio again. I feel like I've had some angry rants on this in the past. Uh, his shooting is just offensive. Not in oh, not in a you yeah. know positive sky high offensive rating way. Just it's offensive. It's not great. Um, I feel like any reports. It's it's kind of like similar to like Jeff Teague. Like there was an interest in the in Teague from the Bucks. So they retread it when he's in the shop window, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you've had past interest in him. Like, oh, maybe they have it again. Like, I feel like it doesn't just – it's not just a Bucks thing. I think a lot of – that's how a lot of reports come. Yeah, like, like when you're seeing with, like – Is basically what it yeah. is. When you're seeing with, like, uh, Serge Ibaka now, there are teams that are listed with, with him or even uh, – there was something about Gallinari today where I've seen the Raptors linked to Abaka and Gallinari a few times before. Are they real? Who knows? Like Some of these reports are very real. They come from reputable sources, all that stuff. But when you've seen enough of it, it's like, oh, like this feels very familiar. Like, oh, yeah, they kind of chased them before. They're, maybe they're chasing them again. Who knows? But there, it is a very – it feels like a very safe fallback to go on. It's like, oh, well, this – They've been interested in before. Like, let's just lump them in together again. Like, you never know. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is like two weeks from now, books fans, when the Hawks realize what they're doing and they they get rid of this cover they've had and they trade Paul Millsap. And then next thing, 
you hear, oh, the Bucks might be interested in Dwight Howard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll Kent Bazemore and Dwight Howard to the Bucks in mega deal. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that is no, very not... um, Gus Johnson. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. That's true. Who knows? I mean, we need a Gus Johnson rumor. I think we're, we're due one. Um, so, anyway, don't pay too much attention to that Rubio thing. For now, who knows? Maybe Ali will never be brave enough to rule anything out with this team anymore. That's what I've learned in the last couple of years. But am I buying that rumor right now? No. That's it, guys. That's, that was the last one. That's the mailbag for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, add us on Stitcher. Read all of our work on BehindTheBookPass.com, particularly later in the week. We'll have all sorts of stuff in the run-up to All-Star Weekend, and then we'll have coverage of all Yanis, Brogdon, maybe Don Maker, and Mark Lazary things as the week goes on. <laughs> <laughs> quite the camper so yeah stick with us on Moroccan Freak Moroccan yeah, Freak uh, stick with us and we'll be back this time next week as usual if not before if we can get through a full week just doing one that'll be a nice achievement that we haven't managed in like three or four weeks now <laughs> so hopefully you don't hear from us till next Monday thank you Jordan thank you Tim Thank you.